0: Stop that ship! Blast them! Hello, my friends, and welcome to Armor Party, a show about costumes and costumers of Star Wars. I am your host, Mike Forrester, wishing you a happy December for whatever you celebrate. I'm still processing 2020 myself, and it's about to be 2022, so thanks for hanging around. We recorded this podcast around the time the labor unions were voting for a new deal. They've reached an agreement, so if you're confused about all this, don't be. It's all good-ish. Still lots of work to be done to support our fellow humans to make sure they are compensated correctly within the film industry. You know, we've seen a really cool thing happening as well. I've reached out to about 10 artists, many of them you've seen me share on my social media pages, and they're going to be building some really cool one-of-a-kind ornaments that we'll auction off to raise funds for a company called Magic Wheelchair, which is an artist collective that tricks out mobility assistants. And it makes a huge impact for those that they help. And it's all at no cost to the families. We're thankful for the artists for helping us and we'll be auctioning them off. So stay tuned on how you can get a custom and unique gift for that star Wars fan in your life and help out an amazing cause. Now this next conversation is a lot to unpack. I didn't cut much out. This gives you some insight into the props industry from someone who lives it every day. His knowledge is deep and his curse words are proper, but truly, it's been one of my favorite conversations I've had yet. Please do enjoy the show. From his early days as a contestant on Face Off, oh to god, his why are we talking work. about
1: that? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Frank this is my intro man. I only really took time to write this. Oh yeah. <laughs> Let's get, I could get rid Continue of it. Continue All right. <laughs> From his early days as a contestant on Face Off to his work helping Finn face down the First Order and most recently as one of the Mandalorian's fishest of Mon Calamari, his career has certainly won to be celebrated. As owner of Thinger G, Inc., his multifaceted special effects shop has probably worked on all the things that you love. Joining us from the hills of Hollywood in Burbank, California, I'm honored to be able to sit down with maker of things, Frank Ippolito. Frank, welcome to the Armor Party.
1: Hey, hey thanks for having me. you got to leave that whole intro in, even when I interrupted you.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> going to. At this point, it's like, I, I love that I've gotten such a good... Res- Usually people will give me a response of like, hey, that's really nice. And I love that you were like, It is really on. nice,
1: but... You know, it's so funny. Like w- when that, that reality show face off came out, it was in, I don't know, maybe 2009, 2010 or something like that. There'd sure. never been anything like it before. And yeah. so to be the first generation of people that did what we do on television, we just, you know, almost everybody just jumped at it. Yeah. Um, and I had no idea what I was getting myself into and it didn't necessarily portray me in the, in the best light. And as soon as I was kind of done with it, you know, I did that that, uh, reprisal in season five, just to yeah. hopefully try and write the way <laughs> that they portrayed me. Um, sure. and then I ran pretty much as fast as I could away from face off. Um, <laughs> that's kind of when I got involved with, uh, with tested.com. Sure. And I think that that, that all the stuff I did on tested is a much more accurate portrayal of, um, kind of my personality and, and who I am about, you know, sharing and helping and, um, you know, uh, reality TV is reality TV. Like it's all just garbage. We, got, know, to it's make, it's really yeah, we got to make it's really funny. I'm just going to start off on these tangents. I, we were talking the <laughs> other day in about the, uh, this, this pending strike that's been floating around out here in LA. Sure. And I don't know if you realize this, but almost all reality TV is the fault of the writer strike that happened back then. So there was yeah. this writer strike that happened, and because of that, they had to go to unscripted television. So that's when the boom of reality TV came out. So that's why you know, like literally anything that's reality TV, it's all because of that writer strike. So thank you, writer strike. Now we have the Kardashians to deal with. Like <laughs> it's it's really ridiculous. It, there's a straight line from the Kardashians to the writer strike. Sure, and, um, and the reason and that we were speculating is so on, weird. Yeah. And so we were speculating on what would happen if, you know, this whole IATSE strike happened, which would shut down all of production, not just the writers. Right. And what we were thinking is that it would probably be a big influx in foreign shows, you know, with shows like Squid Game that have, like, really taken off. And there's so much good content coming out of, like, every country, because, you know, it's just so much easier to make content than it used to be. Right. Um, There's a lot of great television and films everywhere, especially South Korea, like... Think about the horror movies that have been coming out of Korea, and then you know, obviously Squid Game and like everything else. Like, there's so much good storytelling coming out of that area, right? And anyway, so there you go. So I, I, I jump I, right I, on into it.
0: <laughs> the only reason I had to throw it in there is because like I loved that show, and I think my wife and I. My wife has never seen a Star Wars all the way through, and it affects my life every day. And people are shocked wow. to hear this. But how it, do you trust do me? That? She, like, is, she, is, she is the woman who keeps every, my everything together. She puts <laughs> up with my ADD. She is a wonderful mother in person, but she yeah. doesn't do fantasy. It's just not her thing. Huh. That's and strange. versus yeah it, it, it's crazy to me but we she loved that show because she thought it was really cool and so i said oh. hey you know I, i'm i'm talking to a star wars legend in my opinion and but he was also on facebook she's like oh face i love we loved that show and i'm okay <laughs> we'll I'll throw it in the intro and and i get it now that you say that i actually i can't believe i said that frank no it's okay it's not your fault <laughs> But now I'm feeling like, oh, did I help cause the Kardashians because
1: I watched that show? Oh, no. No, that's just what, (laughs) that's where all uh, television was going at that time. And and non-scripted television is so cheap to produce compared to other things. Right. And at the time it was getting like tons and tons of viewership, you know? Sure. Like Face Off went, I think, 13 seasons. Yeah. Like if if people weren't watching it, they wouldn't have done 13 seasons. You know, the only way to get people to stop making shows that you don't like is don't watch them right you know yeah, like, that's
0: a good that's a good point that's a good point don't and watch i them. don't know and i and i think and i'm I'm assuming too because at the time that the show had come out and then there was really the rise of youtube as well right and then we had yeah. also like non-traditional channels and non-traditional avenues for people to be able to produce shows um i i could see why the trajectory got very weird for a lot of you know for, mm-hmm. for networks and stuff like that so um, yeah, I, well, I, I, it's awesome to be able to sit down with you, Frank. I mean, I'm a fan of your work. I, clearly, I've been a fan for a long time. But m- <laughs> most importantly, it, it, in regards who to Star Wars, to say that? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't made a cent from the show. But if someone wants to pay me, Frank, I <laughs> say whatever I need to say. Uh, I, I, I'm just I'm a fan of anyone who is has chased a, a dream to make a career out of something creative along these lines. And, and I know, just listening to other interviews that you've done, that you are such a fan of these things and to be able to make a career out of it and own a studio, I just think is is so commendable and it's awesome to see as creative well, to creative. you
1: know, if if you don't love this stuff, like with your core, then this yeah. is the wrong business to be in. There's a lot of people that... that We, we sort of touched on this briefly before we started the show. There's a lot sure. of people that put things like the film industry up on this giant pedestal. Like that's the pinnacle and that's... Oh, they... God, they know what they're doing, and they have all the money and all the time. No, we right. literally never have all the money or all the time. And that's not just me; it's not just my studio. That's literally every show, everywhere. Oh, yeah. like it's an anomaly if you have time and money, and you have some, and if you have a show that's organized. Like that's the anomaly. Um, you know, we I grew up watching you know all the behind the scenes DVDs, and that's like a lot of how I got into everything. Like most people that. Of our generation right and everybody was always like oh the show is great and we love everybody and this is how cool everything was but what you don't see is is the so i don't know if you've watched the show on netflix recently the the movies that made us oh yeah oh yeah so if you watch that that gives a much more candid view on how these productions were as much as it's it's still like kind of a slice of life out of it sure But you realize literally every show that has ever been made has barely gotten made. It's always been a train wreck. There's always been some sort of like near catastrophic event. That's every show that like no exception. Like (laughs) I remember one of the earliest like giant tent poles I worked on. I worked on Chronicles of Riddick and I was like super low man on the totem pole in the makeup department. So I was shielded from all the But I just remember, you know, the department heads saying how much of a train wreck and this is the worst show they've ever been on and blah, 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 and this and that. And I'm just like, this is great. I'm in Canada and we're making aliens and uh, the spaceships and like, (laughs) what are you talking about? Like, I didn't get it. Um, but you know, every show that, that like I've ever, I mean, we have fun on show. Like we, we enjoy what we do. We wouldn't still be doing it, but right. I don't know what I was getting at, but yeah, like literally everything out here is a, is a train wreck. And so if you don't like really, really love this stuff and enjoy doing it and you, and you do it because you love it then it's the wrong it's the wrong business to get into. And I never set out to own a shop. I came out here in 2000 to be a makeup artist and do special effects makeup because that's sure. just what I grew up being into. And then um, as I kind of progressed in the makeup industry, I learned that I loved a lot of other things besides just glue and rubber on people's faces. Yeah. Um, and so I started getting side jobs and I started needing some more help and then I needed some more space and then more help right. and more space. And before I knew it, I owned... 14,000 square foot shop and I have 15 employees that I have to pay every single week. Like right. this is not like any sane person would not be like, I want to own a, a shop in Los Angeles. Like <laughs> <this is> bonkers. <laughs> like, who wants to have, a, you know, a $20,000 a week payroll? You're, you're crazy if that's what you want.
0: You know? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Well, to say, when you set it out like that, to say, let me just place this in front of you. Cause I think the reality of of so many hobbyists is the idea that they're working towards something, right? And we had talked a little bit about this at the beginning uh, before we started, but, you know, as a person who dreamed of making snowboards, I won a a contest. It got me into the Mm -hmm. industry. I'm like, ooh, I'm I'm working towards it. And then I end up working and making graphics for Burton Snowboards, the biggest company in the world. Yeah. I I got top 10 graphics from trans world snowboarding, right? And then I looked around and I said, uh, this is it. I was like, where, where's the rest of it? <laughs> and so I think in that way, I think it's like almost our our human desire to want to keep pushing it and seeing like what develops, right? Like what, what, what does course. this turn into? You know, yeah. so it's, it's interesting hearing that, that I, maybe at some, maybe the theme of everything is that, you know, work is work.
1: It is no matter what company you work for, or what industry you're in, like, you know, I, like we have client like we have clients of Apple, uh, Disney Imagineering, um, like literally every studio that's out here making shows. Um, I've done stuff for Six Flags, for Universal, like sure. all the theme parks. Yeah. I've worked for all these video game companies, Capcom, Gearbox. Uh, I don't remember. But like tons and tons of these things. And literally nobody has their shit together. <laughs> like it's always one thing or another, whether it's, you know, their, the way that, that their internal corporate structure is on payments or whether it's that there's this, like, insane bureaucracy to get through bidding processes or... Yeah. Th- it's just, it's a- approval. Like, there's always some sort of, like, bottleneck where it's just, like, I have, you know, the the person that I'm dealing with and then us building the thing. And we're like, we could just build the thing, but we have to do all this other red tape to get to it. And that's everybody, you know? Right. Um, so, like, you, you always think, like, oh, Apple's got to have their <laughs> together. They don't. <laughs> Disney's gotta have <laughs> it together. They don't. Like yeah, yeah. It, there's everybody is figuring it out and everybody is has some sort of like like insane like bureaucratic process. You're just like Re- really, it takes me forty five days to get paid on an invoice. Oh, and once I submit the invoice, I gotta go to a vendor portal and yeah. enter every line of my <laughs> yeah. invoice back every. into your vendor portal. Like of course what makes up the <laughs> You know, like I can create something that's literally never existed ever in the universe faster than they can cut a fucking check. Like... (laughs) and these are, these are like the largest companies biggest companies in the, the world. world yeah
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, well yeah, we have to go through, yeah together. <laughs> I, I love that i have this is great that we're talking about this because i actually was was assuming that we would talk about this at the end of the conversation but you know what let's rip the freaking band-aid off frank
1: yes band get rid of the band-aid nobody that's, <laughs> that that's to be the title of this episode nobody has the together
0: nobody i love that that's great and and hopefully <laughs> spotify doesn't flag it because we're it's about to get real so Frank, what I want to ask you too is as a as a veteran of this industry and as someone who has contributed, been chewed up by it, really had to fight to get your corner. I have a friend who works in VFX and mm-hmm. he said, I assumed after a career of working on college productions with no budget, that when yeah. I got into the industry, I realized they're still college projects, but with mm-hmm. massive budgets suddenly. And he goes, yeah. in terms of just the craziness of, you know, and and what I want to ask you is the state of the industry for people in this specific realm, the the makers, the designers, the people that are not the actors, that are not the talent, that mm-hmm. affect so much of what people like me love enough to make a freaking podcast out of it, right? Mm-hmm. Is, there, is there more money than there is talent out there? that makes people get burned out for someone to go. I've got, they don't care if, Oh, okay, well we have money to pay. Let's change it. Let's change it. It puts a a tremendous amount of stress on people like yourselves who are creators that need time to do this. Like what is the state of the industry for, for people right now? Of course, with this impending strike going on and Um, and it's been, it's very, very interesting as an outsider who's
1: knowledgeable to really watch this. And I'm curious your opinion. So, also to clear the air, like I am not bitter or jaded about any of this stuff. I literally love my job. I love coming into work every day. I love the, the, the crew that I have working for me right now is excellent. It's the best crew that I've literally ever had. And not to say that I haven't had people that are really talented in the past, but sure. As a, as a business owner, I've, I've had my ebbs and flows at learning how to pick the right employees that mesh together and, and work together and work with me well enough. Um, so I, I love what I'm doing. So when I'm saying all these things, this isn't me saying that I hate the industry or I, or, you know, like, I still love this business. I still love yeah. what I'm doing. It's a realistic um, view. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's not that like jaded, like, oh, let me tell you about how sh- everything is. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> sure. It's, sure. But it, you know, I think a lot of people do put this thing up on a pedestal and they do think yeah. that it's like, oh my God, that's in, in Hollywood, that's how they do it. It's like, no, yeah. we're, we figure out every single, every single job we do is something we've never done before, yeah. you know? Um, but the, the industry I feel, and I think that a lot of people out here feel it, which is why there's this big, you know, pending strike, which actually I, the vote to ratify the strike is coming. I got the notification email this week, so I have a feeling that ratification vote is coming any day. Oh, okay. Um, people are really fed up with how we get treated. Um, and then that's not just me as a vendor, but that's also people that are employees, people that are on, on, on set and everything like that. Right. Um, you know, there, and there's two sides of this. One is like, if you get into the movie industry, you, you have to know that you're setting yourself up for long hours and hard work and high expectations and, um, crazy, insane uh, people that are running these shows operating at this super high level of, you know, self-inflicted perfection. Um, Sure. That's just, that's just what this business is. So anybody that complains about long hours, you got in the wrong business. (laughs) Sure. Um, Anybody that complains about some psycho director that screams at their cast or, or at their, at their crew when they don't do something right. It's like, well, there's probably a reason that they had like, 50 meetings saying, I don't want blue goo coming out of this hose. I want yellow. Like why the hell is there, you know, blue goo when I wanted yellow and we've said it in meetings before, you know, like there's, there's a certain like caveat to all of these things. But I think that crews are sick of getting, um, like overworked and underappreciated. And it's, and it's always the people that are not in the spotlight that are getting raked over the coals. Like it's not, It's not the actors that, you know, I mean, you know, the actors sometimes have it hard and, and some of them have really tough jobs. It's the, the grips and the electricians and the set builders and the, the costume department that, and the makeup, it's like literally every department that's below the line. It's not the produce, like, yeah, there's a lot of pressure on the producers, but it's not them humping their back, you know, like, yeah, yeah. It's tough. And when you like, okay. So when this strike very, very first, like when it, the strike got, um, authorization got ratified that yeah. very next Monday, a friend of mine on one of these giant shows that you all know and love, they went in on Monday, first day of shooting. And they said, everybody, we're we'll here. you loud and clear. We're only going to do a 10 day or a 10 hour day. Okay. Guess what? Only guess how many hours they wrapped at 13 and a half. So one, when you go over that, Okay. You have to have, um, you have to have a certain amount of turnaround, which is you have to have, um, you know, 10 hours off the clock or eight hours. I don't know what it is now. So you have to have this turnaround. So as you start pushing further and further into 13s, 14s, 16s, 18s, then your turnaround, you know, you have to have an eight hour turnaround or a 10 hour turnaround. That means your call time by Friday isn't until 1 PM. So your call time on Friday is at lunchtime right? and you still work another 16 hours, which brings you into you Saturday, know, Saturday, which yeah. is why they call them fratter Got it. Because you're not, you don't have a Saturday and Sunday off anymore. Cause by the time you wrap on Saturday, you your Saturday's screwed. Right. And then you have only Sunday off to have a life. And yeah. that's if they're not working a sixth day, heaven forbid that you're working a sixth day and then yeah. you lose your Sunday also. Sure. I mean, it's just, it's, like that's the kind of stuff that's happening again and again and again right um and and i think that a lot of it is also because there's so much stuff in production right now that there's not enough seasoned veterans running these shows so whether it's a director not able to get their their shots in in a day like let's say you have to shoot i don't know three pages of a script right if if you set up all the cameras on the planet and you're doing coverage of two people sitting there talking at a table for 16 hours. And right. You're Doing a good job as a director. You got to know when you got your shot and move on. Yeah. But there's yeah. all these people that are, whether it's the ADs, whether it's the line producers, whether it's the director, you know, you could point the fingers at all kinds of people. Um, if you don't, if you can't get your shot concisely and move on to the next thing, then you're going to blow your days and it's going to take forever and it's going to wear out the crew and it's going to wear out. Everybody's just going to get exhausted. Yeah, And that comes from hiring people without enough experience. Right. Um, and because they don't have the confidence to say, there you go. I got my, I got the shot. Let's move on to the next thing. They're so right. scared that they have to get all the coverage on the planet so that the editors can make the film. Yeah. You know, yeah. And that's an inexperienced director or. Or sometimes it's the producer that has to go, you got your shot, move on, come on, let's go. You know, Sure. Like, or the a- or AD is not planning for it. A- There's a million reasons why this stuff is happening. Right. Um, but I think that most of it is just because we just have way too many inexperienced people making stuff these days. People that this is, like how many times do you hear about somebody that's like, they made a short film and now they got a $200 million tentpole from Disney. It's like, what has this person made before? I don't yeah. know. Right, um, and and that that part of it is interesting
0: because it's like a, a, kind of a cart before the horse mentality, right? You you have young people who come into this industry, mm-hmm. they see it's just brutal, yeah. Some of them probably leave. And the people who stick around either get pushed up too fast or don't have the proper time to scale and and get that experience like you're talking about. So I mm-hmm. I, I see the same thing in regards to my job. I'm creative director at a at a at a I work with a lot of students. I'm a creative director mm-hmm. at a, a higher ed institute here in Michigan. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you have to treat your students different than you would treat professionals, even though they have a role. Yeah. you, you have to you have to nurture that. Learning process, and I I can totally understand why it has gotten out of hand. Especially for your point, of Mm -hmm. I I agree. I I feel like I know directors that you're going. Oh, that seems interesting. That seems like a big project. Let me look up their IMDb, and then I'm like, huh, not that many, not that many roles before that. I
1: mean, it's not to say that somebody with with little experience can't run a big show. You know, if you have good producers and if you have a good team surrounding somebody, you can give, you know, a first time or an early, you know, or a young inexperienced director, a shot at stuff. If they have a vision and they, you know, know how to run a set and know how to get stuff. Um, it's a hundred percent possible. Um, sure. You know, like that's how people get their, get their breaks. Like I get it, but when you don't have enough seasoned veterans helping that person, like to to be able to get those things. Like yeah, I mean but then it goes back to it goes back to watching, you know, how, the movies that made us. Like, go watch yeah. that. Like literally nothing. Yeah. It's just like how the hell did this movie ever get made? Nobody knows. It just yeah. happened. Yeah. Making the uh,
0: dinosaurs of Jurassic Park uh you know, in the in the broom closet and then showing it uh yeah. forcing forcing people to watch it versus and then making Phil Tippett look like he's this curmudgeon who well, doesn't have like
1: you, I that's... mean, to be honest, Phil is a bit of a curmudgeon. Like, that, <laughs> but a that talented is one like, at that. A talented no, one he, at that. Yeah, you know, I worked for Phil on Force Awakens. Um, yeah. So i uh, I had met the art director over there, Mark Debo, um, before they got Star Wars, and, and we yeah. became fast friends because we had a lot of stuff in common. We both like motorcycles, and yeah, you know, all this, the same nerdy stuff. Sure. And um, and he knew that I had a little bit of experience making, uh, silicone stop motion puppets. Cause I had worked for the Kyoto brothers, um, back in the, uh, 2005 through 2010 ish yeah. area. So he said, Hey, we have a stop motion project coming up that needs like very specific, you know, puppets made. We don't want to do foam latex and you know, silicone, and you know how to, like, it's a, it's a different process to make molds for a stop motion puppet versus, to make a makeup. Like there's a certain way that they have to go together in a certain order and you have to be able to align the armatures and all this other stuff. So he said, Would you would you be interested? And I said, Yeah, sure. I like I'll come up there. So um I signed the NDA and then finally found out that it was the chess set. And I Ugh. went up and stayed in, in um in San Francisco for about four months and molded, cast and painted all those stop motion puppets. Making um, and making so jar sets. To know- <laughs> I got to know the Tippets really well and they're yeah. like, they're really great people. Like right. Phil was, was, um, super nice and he, he gave so much room for people to just do their job. And, you know, he had, you know, like a lot of, a lot of people went out to lunch with Phil like every day. It was just like this big group of people that went to lunch and everybody had great stories and everybody was yeah. super friendly up there at Tippett studio for Sure, and, um, and it was great. Um, but yeah, Phil's a curmudgeon. Like it feels just the way you see Phil, that's Phil. Like he, there's no putting on any face or anything, you know, like Phil is just Phil. Um, yeah. But I have but to he
0: imagine was, in the movie industry, that's a welcomed, that's like almost like, Oh, that's great. No, rather than no,
1: no, 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 <laughs> it, it, it makes it tough sometimes. Like if Phil was a little bit more personable or more warm or more enthusiastic or loving, um, you know it might be a different story but i i you know like it's yeah. it's a really tough thing you know balancing act is protecting yourself and your art and your business yeah. versus sure. appeasing you know all these big corporations and i've seen it before not just in phil like people get really sick of how these productions treat us as vendors or shops or employees like yeah i can imagine um, you know if you uh, i have a i I haven't recorded in a long time, but I have a a podcast called creature geek. And we, we had an episode where we had Rick Baker come on Mm -hmm. and, you know, Rick Baker retired and he was like, I'm paraphrasing, but he was just really tired of not having enough budget or time or all these other things. And it's just, it makes it really hard to, to do it the right way when you don't have it. And, you know, Phil's the same way he's sick of people, you know, these young idiots that, you know, have never made anything trying to tell Phil how to, how to make a movie, you know, <laughs> Phil's been making movies since before they were born, you know, right, like, right, right. you know, and I'm sure that that same thing happened to Rick. You get these young, you know, douchebags that are some agency, you know, hiccup that, you know, just learned how to pull their pants up yesterday, trying to tell Rick Baker how to do something. I can only Baker, imagine right. that that's what's happening, you know? Sure. Sure. Well, in speaking of, in speaking of that too,
0: because I would love to know a little bit about that. I have a lot of, people that listen to the show that are really active in, in interacting. And I follow a ton Mm -hmm. of, of hobbyist makers too. As, as someone who, who runs a shop, I mean, what do you, what do you look for? If someone's looking to get into this industry and you have enough, you have enough, obviously experience, but also, Mm -hmm you're managing and creative directing and you're working with different personalities and all that. Like what, what is, what is Thingergy like, what do you look for in, in how someone would get into the industry? I know that you had, you posted a couple weeks ago. I think that's actually how we started talking.
1: It was about um, a month ago.
0: Yeah yeah. 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 Saying like, Hey, I'm, I'm looking for a, like kind of a junior entry level
1: position. Mm-hmm. And you want to how many people just, I ended up hiring? How many people? Four. four. I was only looking for one person and there were so many people that were great. Mm-hmm. I hired yeah. four.
0: Yeah. And and so I want to ask about that because I know that the post blew up. I saw it in every costuming Facebook group and every Instagram <laughs> I saw. So I mean, people just I think there's an excitement for this industry and especially knowing all of the projects that you've worked on and your work yourself. Yeah. What do you what did you look for? I mean, what was that process like? What were you seeing? What really impresses you at this point? I mean, yeah. I'm 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 so interested to hear about this.
1: Well, I, I start with something silly and I, I made every, I said, you got to put what I don't, know, dollars and donuts in your subject line. And right off the bat, that, that wiped out about five people, you know, <laughs> detail they, people. Yeah. You can't you do the, can't the details, pay attention right? to, yeah. yeah. Write something silly in the subject line. The, okay. You missed, you missed that note. So, you know, I was not paying attention. Like I would sure. get messages on Instagram. Hey, how can I apply for the job? You yeah, already lost it. Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> right, right. Um, and we got, we got like 50 some applicants and there were some people that were really great and some people that were really nice. So out of 50, I ended up giving 16 or 17 interviews. Wow. Um, it was like a solid week of interviewing. Yeah, I started on Sunday and then I didn't, I didn't do my last one until Friday. Um, largely and, California
0: uh, or was this it's kind all of California. All...
1: So I, okay. Okay. Like there's a lot of people that don't live here that would probably be very, good to work with but yeah. i'm not in the position where i can um offer enough stability for somebody to relocate right now That's like true. i don't Unestable. have enough like all the people that i hired back then i only assumed it was going to be till uh end of november and i don't see i don't see that i'm going to let them go like yeah they're, they're all really good and i'm going to keep them around as long as i can but um you know i like it, Like most, most people that do what this, what I do, like I'm a smaller shop as much as like I'm a, I have a physically large facility. Um, I'm a small shop. I'm I'm a pretty boutique kind of shop. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't project workout more than maybe six months. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm very fortunate to be able to string together, you know, full year worth of work and keep everybody employed all year long. But you know, I don't, I don't know what's coming up in January. Yeah, um, I know that I have work till the end of the year. Um, there's a a movie that I just started talking to the prop master about um, this week, and we might get started on stuff uh, later on this month. But I don't know what's going on in January. I, I'm pretty sure January is going to be slammed for everybody. Sure, um, but I don't know. You know, for all I know, bottom will drop out in Jan- I'll be dead January, February. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. it could and be that's real slow. That,
0: that's not that far away. No,
1: but that's, you know. that's the business, you know, like sure. it's right now it's, it's a little bit slow. Um, I usually assume that one of two things is going to happen. Either everybody's going to want to start getting stuff in production so that they could shoot, yeah. um, right after the, the new year sure. or people are still trying to figure out what they're doing. And as soon as the new year hits, we're going to get slammed. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a chance that December one, people are going to be like, okay, we need all of this stuff for January 6th. Like it could happen. <laughs> I don't know. Sure. Um, so,
0: and then, so when you get, so you have, a, you hired a bunch of local talent. And oh yeah. We got, it, I got on track. Yeah.
1: So that's fine. I, that's fine. Yeah. So I interviewed all these people and like, to be honest, like I still have the folder here and I have, um, a green paperclip on all the people that I will still pull from. Um, as soon as I get more, I can justify hiring more people because there was a lot of really, really good people that I pulled from. Um, and, uh. So like one of the, one of the big things is like, I want people to have like a positive, like kind of go giddy attitude. Um, yeah. like I'm, I'm a very like kind of hands-off kind of supervisor boss person. Like I'll give somebody like all of the information and all of the, the assets and all the things to do. And I'll say, here's all the things go do the thing. And yeah, yeah. You know, people know that, that we have a real high, um, you know, threshold for like how good things need to be and how quick we need to move. And uh, not that I give somebody their own rope to hang themselves with, but it's like, you know, it's, it's yours swim. to either win or fail. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but every, you know, the the people that I have right now have have been great. They're they like they move really good, and when they're waiting on something, they're like, hey, is there? Can I jump on on something else while I'm waiting for this to dry? And you know, they start to learn kind of where everything goes in the shop, and so they kind of pick up and. I don't know. It's great. I just, I want people that are going to be positive, going to be self-starting and going to have good attention to detail and move quickly. Um, We're, I mean, we're fast paced, like all shops are. Sure. Like if any shop isn't fast paced, like, I don't, I don't know. Um, And what's, and what stands out
0: to you when, when you get this huge influx of applications, what are you looking for specifically in regards to, you know, I know People and Instagram is like the new portfolio, of course, for everybody. It and,
1: absolutely and, is. Yeah, um,
0: and and what do you what do you see that catches your eye? Because I'm sure at some point, especially in Star Wars, it's like I feel like I know 30 people who make the most amazing stuff every time I open Instagram, right? And and, yeah, and you might but, be looking at building, them a rep-
1: building a replica prop and spending weeks or months perfecting your Boba Fett helmet. Like, i don't give him, you know, you like a day. Yeah, if you can't do that in a, in, like, you know, when we did, um, remember in, in season two, uh, of Mandalorian, there was, uh, that, that red armor on Michael Bean. Yeah. Um, it was the Ahsoka episode. We, we did that. We only had a couple of weeks to build that. Um,
0: you know, we we only had like,
1: like two weeks to do Gideon's, maybe a little bit more. It was, we only had a couple of weeks to build Gideon's armor. Um, we did that on first season. Um, we did. Phoenix helmet. We had like three weeks to make Phoenix helmet, and we didn't even know who it was going on.
0: Um, and because they hadn't then, signed
1: a contract with anybody. They were just like, make it so it fits somebody. So <laughs> that, that's why the helmet maybe feels a little bit big, is because we didn't know who was going to go on. We oh, didn't wow. have a head scan or anything else. We just had to build the helmet. And a, a hope generic that it fits seven whoever and a half. <laughs> it's going to fit someone. I, Boink. Yeah, I mean they they assumed who it was going to go on, but there was no contract signed and we just had to wow. keep building because sometimes those contracts don't get signed until a week before they shoot. Um, so we Dang. didn't have, we didn't have a body scan on Giancarlo for Gideon. We didn't have a head scan on Mignon. Yeah, we didn't have her head scan. We didn't, none of that stuff.
0: We had oh a body gosh.
1: scan on Gina Carano for, uh, Cara Dune. Okay. Um, so we were able to scale her armor to fit she's curvy. Like we had to yeah. make it fit her body type. Sure. Um, so that was super helpful. Um, but yeah, most of the time we're flying by the seat of our pants on those things. Wow. And But that's just, but that's just production. That's not just Lucasfilm or Star Wars. That's, that's like most shows. Like it's rare that you have, um, like a good amount of time to really develop stuff. And not that and doesn't that is, happen, but it's rare. And that's such a great point because, I, your point
0: about the Boba Fett helmet is, gosh, it's so spot on, because there are times, and in, in I recently just finished my, my Mandalorian build, mm-hmm. and I'm in the upper Midwest. I literally sure. was running against weather, Frank, right? It gets cold mm-hmm. out. All of a sudden, my paint it takes three days longer to dry, mm-hmm. and I've never painted. I've never airbrushed before, and so I'm yeah. like, okay, I got this expensive-ass paint. I'm spraying it, and I got, oh, no, I got something wrong.
1: No, 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 which by the way, there's a paint that, so there's this paint that a bunch of makers are all like excited because they found out what they painted Mando's helmet with. There's another company that makes the, like, as far as we could tell the exact same thing, like at half the price. Paint's called Motochrome. It's cheaper and you don't have to, you don't have to deal with these knuckleheads here in California. Yeah. I buy the stuff by like, I have gallons of it because we go through so much. Motochrome. Motochrome, okay. Yeah. All and, right, there's, right. and there's a couple of different ones there. There's like, there's like uh, super bright, and it's just like the Alumilaser stuff. Like they have a, a couple of different versions, but I think Super Bright's the one that we use most of the time. Okay, I'd have to go and look down you,
0: you still have to clear coat that then from mm-hmm. there. Because yeah, I think okay, same, so yeah, all right.
1: it's it's the same process. Okay, um, yeah, just it's the all base the same is process, half the cost. Yeah, it's okay. cheaper. Yeah, okay, it's cheaper and does Tools. the same thing. Tools we, of the we trade. Used it, we use it, uh, <laughs> done. Okay.
0: That's <laughs> and awesome. we're not I'm... the
1: only shop that, like a lot of these, a lot of the prop shops have switched over to MotoChrome. Because okay. they're, they're just uh, an e- easier vendor to deal with too. So Got it. Okay. And that, and so
0: when you have this, so, in, and the other thing that I've talked to a lot of people about too is there's, we're in such a great age of, accessibility and even the fact that i'm talking to you and i'm i crack up every time i see shauna in the boba fett build group on facebook right like she'll chime in and (laughs) like most recently within the past couple days someone was like i'm looking for a boba what do you what do you use for the flak vest and shauna goes oh it's a it's it's an iron on fabric to protect your ironing board and it through it. what i thought it was cloth i thought it was camp blah blah blah. she like literally shared what she used for the sea, you know the, the season two yeah. boba under under jacket right we have this dialogue where there's so many secrets of the industry that are now just simply had over a dialogue over the internet right we, we can yeah. we're learning this and and do you feel like hobbyists prop makers through the advent mm-hmm. of 3d printing resin printing where like people are sharing information faster than they've ever done in the past right do you think is that helping the hobby getting oh it 100 a- helps it
1: it's 1000 1- percent helps it anybody that doesn't share their like secrets like there's no f- secrets in this industry anybody that <laughs> they keep stuff secret or acts coy or secretive or whatever like they're doing that purely out of ego like sure other than a handful of things that like I'm nervous to say because of how our NDAs are worded. Yeah. yeah. Like there's maybe some things I won't get into too much detail about. And but that's That's fine. That's fine. I don't care. Like I'll literally tell anybody any, anything about how we build stuff. Cause like, it's only going to be a matter of time until either somebody else figures it out or it, right. it gets out or whatever. Like just tell everybody, it's just going to make the hobby and the industry and everything else better. Like Motochrome. Cheaper paint does the same thing. Everybody go buy Motocron. And I don't, <laughs> I don't get paid by them. I don't get, I don't even get stuff for free from them. You I just, just know it. that it's a good paint. Yeah. And it's cheaper. So yeah. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad we could break this, Frank. This is awesome. People are going to, no, yes, Seattle yes, yes, our party. And yeah. And we, you know, I have like with Daryl, like I sent him like all these photos of all of our paint racks of like all the things that we use, like yeah. rattle cans, we use SEM rattle cans most of the time. Um, most of the stuff that we paint, we use is stuff called PPG and base. That's like 90% of the paint that we use. If it's not like golden acrylics or something like that, but sure. like, yeah, almost everything is PPP, PPG and base these days. Um, I, but you don't have to use the dumb fancy shit that we use. That's super expensive. If you could get the same thing out of a rattle can, do it like. Like all these, like weird gatekeepy, like oh, you have to use exactly this because that's what they like. Who gives it if it looks the same? It looks the same, like use a right. rattle can if you want, you know. But how many, like, I don't know how many times, like, I've painted stuff with Tamiya rattle cans. Like, I was when we did Orville, like, for season uh, season two, they changed the shoulder pads and everything. And we did this whole like gauntlet of tests, like, because Seth wanted to pick the, the new colors, yeah. And the one that he picked was a Tamiya rattle can. like that's it. Like there's no magic sauce in those shoulder boards. The color is just a Tamiya color. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, I don't know. Some people just get so like gatekeepy with, Oh, well you have to use this and you have to use it. Who cares? And especially when
0: you have groups like the 501st that want to, and I, I generally feel like this is a conversation that I have with a lot of people about we as builders and as fans of the work that mm-hmm. shops like yours do we go for that level of accuracy to honor the, the work that you guys do because we're clearly such fans of it right and yeah. so to replicate it is the same way of you know this is the way you know this is the way they made a baseball back when Babe Ruth was the greatest player and and you yeah. you you know and you go back and you look at through all the history of you know what makes an authentic motorcycle authentic what makes an yeah. authentic hot rod a hot rod right and and I feel like in this hobby we've we've had this issue of forgetting oftentimes that exactly like we said, it's fun. We're supposed to have mm-hmm. fun. This stuff is yeah. supposed to be fun. And so if you're painting out of a Montana gold can forest green yes. and it's not a, you know, t- you know, it's not a high end custom mix this, you know, 60% this 60% that it's not going nope. to make your
1: Boba Fett not look just as awesome. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, none of that stuff. Like I, I comprehend why the clubs have certain standards for, Making sure that the armor is accurate and, right. you know, like, like I comprehend why that stuff's in place, but I think that it's taken to kind of a ridiculous degree sometimes. Sure. And it's, be, it's become a little bit too gatekeepy. Sure. Um, like I get, I get accuracy and I get, um, I get everything that you're saying, but. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't use a Luma Luster on your Mando helmet, that doesn't mean it's not correct. You could, there's a, yeah. there's a ton of other paints you could use. Sure. That'll get you the same paint finish, I promise you. Well, if,
0: if I'm painting it Frank, it'll be the same paint finish with orange peel, because that's apparently what I did four <laughs> times. Um so we could add that on there. Whatever whatever yeah. uh, paint or you recommend for orange peel, let me know. Um because I'm I'm the king of getting orange peel apparently. Orange, so orange peel is
1: probably gonna be a prep issue. There's either gonna be uh a bad surface adhesion or there's gonna be residue on there. There's just yeah, you can get like wax and grease removers or the stuff called prep all. Yeah. Um, or you could, before you paint it, you could hit it with an adhesion promoter. Yeah. Um, a lot of those things kind of help it. And then it's also how you lay on the paint. Like uh, if it's a clear coat, like hitting it a little bit, misting, misting it so that it has a little bit to bite on. Then right. you do your wet coats. Yeah. There's a million ways to, like painting is such, um, such an art form to get that finesse down, especially when you're getting like super pristine finishes, Um, which is, which is the
0: best. I think the best car was really, at least for me that, and, and again, I, I was painting, you know, cause uh, what the clubs are using is, is 2k. That's like the, the, the automotive, Mm-hmm. Two part catalyzing, right, and it hardens like hell, and it's crystal clear, yeah. and that seems to be the accessible thing for people. And I was buying it out of a can. I've got, I'm looking at two cans of it right now.
1: Yeah, is so it the can where you pop the little thing on the bottom? You have the exactly, little black thing. Exactly, yeah, Use that, and, dude. It's yeah. it's so much easier than messing around with a gun and all and cleaning out stuff. Like, get the get the can. You could it'll last you what 48 hours before you can throw it out and then oh if it's 48 hours
0: i was doing it right. i had people telling me 20 hours that's it and i'm like oh no man this, this stuff like 24 bucks a can what am i doing here no nah, well maybe nah, that's but, fine all right that's good yeah. i'm gonna i'm gonna you know what? right after this i'm gonna go pop a can and 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 make another helmet because i've got one sitting <laughs> in the garage because i knew that's there how bad go. i screwed up the other two well frank what i want to <laughs> ask you as well is is so, sure. so paint and these other things that are, are really important for for you to see, of course, what skill sets, I mean, are, are you, is the industry more so leaning towards, we need great painters? Do we need modelers? Do we need everything. fabricators?
1: It's, it's everything. You know, a, a shop like mine, like we, you know, we hand fabricate a lot of things. Um, you know, we have mold makers that, you know, you need to know how to build boxes and make molds and pour resins and all that stuff. Right. Um, my painters are excellent. Um, I have 3d people that do modeling and run our printers. Um, it's like literally everything I got. The guy that's been with me the longest a guy named Gary crawl. Um, he's an excellent foam fabricator. Like he like, okay. So we built the prop that's going to come out in a movie, uh, later this month. Okay. And, in the past it's always been fiberglass and yeah. they needed a stunt prop. Um, and so, uh, a friend of ours that was uh, in the prop department knew that we had built these out of foam before. Huh. And he asked us if we could build, uh, these foam props and Gary foam fabricated these things and you hold them up next to the real ones and you can't tell the difference. Wow. Um, to the, the hero. Pro- I mean, the, yeah, you can tell the difference, but like, you can't like on screen in
0: action on no screen way. you'll never see it yeah yeah
1: um you know so if you see a movie with backpacks we made some out of uh eva foam for stunt packs
0: okay so the uh let's say it's a particular movie that may have been filmed up in Canada that mm-hmm. in, yeah it was involves a canadian prop, some, prop yeah that's awesome and 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 i love i love that there are skill sets you know cuz the the big the big shift that we're seeing right now at least in the hobbyist world is that everything of course that you guys were doing is is silicone it's flexible armor now right
1: no those aren't silicone most of those armors are urethanes are are they flexible though do they have mm-hmm. flex yeah. to them yeah so there's okay. there's a couple of different urethanes they're usually like 70 or 80 durometer on the a scale which is a, a stiff rubber but sure. most of those most of those armors are either, you know, a high a durometer rubber, or they're a self-skinning foam, like a really high-density self-skinning foam, like twenty-eight pound foam with a like a urethane skin on it. Okay. Um,
0: oh, I was gonna say, but in comparison to to like you know where everything used to be ABS and hips, right? Oh, vacuum foam. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and and now so it's and then but it, that process is that. Is that direct inject, or how how do they actually build those those armors? I think that's sometimes, probably what
1: sometimes it's brushed up sometimes it's uh two part mold that's injected like gideon's okay. armor was a you know a two piece mold and we inject the resin into it okay um, like all of the like if if you look at gideon's armor there's like some matte sections and some glossy sections right so what we did is we mold the back side of the armor you, you put it face down, you mold the back side so you have a hard yep. shell, yeah, flip it over, and then we would do. The paint finish, a matte paint and a glossy paint, oh. and then and then we would do the second side of the mold. So every casting that we got out of there, we didn't have to paint at all. There's wow. no paint on the Gideon armor. It came out glossy and matte, and that was it. No way, it was done. Yeah. Dang! But again, that's... we had we had to do these things so fast. Like, you know, there's things like the little rocker switches in front. Yeah, it was funny. Like we we knew that they were going to be rocker switches, but we. They were just like, we, we need to, we just need something. We got to go. Like, we have to shoot. And we're like, oh, okay, here you go. And the Star costume Wars-y. designer, <laughs> well, yeah, the costume designer is like, oh, it doesn't matter. It's fine. Um, Cause th- we just needed to get it out and get it running. Cause we just, there was just no time. We were up against yeah. the wall. And that's not yeah. because of us as a company. That's just how the productions run. And that's, right. again, that's the same in every production. It's not just um, this show. Um, but yeah, like, so, yeah. so and then, and then for season two, we redid it as rocker switches. We redid a couple of the little elements to change them a little bit. But, you know, anytime that there's something that looks a little bit funny, and not just in the work that we did, like anybody's work. Yeah. Because somebody was rushed or up against the wall. You know, we right. we work at a real high level of accuracy a lot, but sometimes you just got to run with what you brung, you know? <laughs> Yes. Frank, what I want to also ask is
0: specifically remember because I'm in the groups and people are dissecting and, and sure. mesh molding and, and trying to really figure yeah. out the, the baseline of, you know, oh, this must be the stun helmet. This must be the hero helmet, uh-huh. um, specifically in Rodriguez's episode where Baby Yoda gets taken and all this. Right. Mm-hmm. And and the you know, the. The T visor on Mando's helmet is noticeably smaller and we figured, okay, that's, you know, that's a stunt version. Boba just kicked everybody's ass. Okay, blah, blah, blah. Like how many of these armors are you making for for these the these characters, especially Boba and Din, who are very they're very physical. They, they the intention is probably going to be that lots of things will
1: break, right? You know, it's funny. It used to be that, you know, nobody had worked on Star Wars in this town. And now literally everybody's worked on it. So it's <laughs> it's like what's that? that line in, in the Incredibles, um, when everybody's super, nobody will be. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Like, or when everybody's special nobody, or whatever, like that's right, what it yeah. is now. It's like, yeah, literally everybody in town's worked on star Wars. Who cares? Like, yeah. Like, and who, and who
0: would yeah. have thought that 20 years ago, right? Oh my no. gosh.
1: That's, yeah. Oh my, yeah. Uh,
0: but so when you, but when you make these armors, so Gideon, of course, it takes a much yeah, Gideon, more, we,
1: we, there's not a whole lot of stunts with Gideon. Um, yeah. so, you know, in the first two seasons, I think maybe we've made three total. Huh? Okay. Um, you know, Cara Dunes, we might've made four sets of her armor. Sure. Maybe, maybe a couple more. I, I, I really don't totally remember, but it wasn't a ton. Yeah. Um, but also all of Cara Dunes armor was all very stunt friendly. So, um, you know, so when we did that, we specifically for the, the costumers in mind. And so, I've I've worked a lot with the costume designer Joseph Porro who did yeah. the first season of of Mando. He's and great. We, I worked with him for two seasons on the Orville, and I've worked on a bunch you know commercials with them, and like all kinds of other stuff. And I love yeah. Joseph Porro. Yeah. And when we were doing Cara Dunes, I was like, Joseph, let's do this like like real one on one, because like the costumers are like the the cosplayers and all the yeah. fans are gonna love it. And yeah. I was like, yeah. I want to fab all of these things, and then we'll mold it and cast it to make all the replicas. Sure. He goes. Great, let's do it. So right. he he gave us the freedom. We all of her armor was Gary foam fabricated. All of that stuff, and then wow. once it was signed off on, we molded those foam pieces and made all the duplicates. Oh so man, foam fabricated armor is canon in on more than just one character. Like tons of those background bounty hunters, we would just foam fab stuff, and it was done. Oh my, you gosh, know, foam this, fabric yeah, covered yeah. leather go like tons of stuff. Um, That's awesome. And partially that was because, you know, Joseph Poro is a is a very fast moving designer. Like, here's the drawing. I love it. I trust you guys. Just build it. Go. You know, like yeah. it's a one off. Just go. Um. So he he's it's kind of having that shorthand. Uh. You know, with that designer. Um. But him also trusting us to just build stuff and it's gonna be fine. You know. Right. Sometimes you get these designers that are gonna nitpick like the dumbest little. Can you move this an inch, to, like a millimeter to the right? It's like literally Why? nobody's <laughs> ever gonna care. Sure, um, sure.
0: But in Kara's it, Kara's armor, her costume, I would say almost has probably the most new schoolish kind of feel. With that, she don't, it, the the armor has a, a mesh on the on the undersuit, right? It almost has like a meshish look. Um, it's those.
1: That's a screen printed fabric. Which, okay, which. Uh, fun fact, that's the screen printed fabric that Joseph had used on the Orville a ton of times. And oh, he just my gosh. got the same, the, the same screens printed on a different fabric. So. He, and the difference oh,
0: of, uh, of screen printing it versus uh-huh. dye sublimation is that when you screen print it actually can have raised textures, correct? Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, like dye sub stuff, like a lot of times it fades real funny. It doesn't hold up to repeated washings. Yeah. Um, like, there's there's pros and cons for, for die sub sure. versus screen printing. But, it's like, when there's time and budget, screen printing's, like, you know, it's great. It adds a lot, of, um, a lot of texture. Are they doing that locally? Is mm-hmm. that in California? They're do- yeah, oh, really? No, there's okay. a couple of places. There's, there's one place that does, like, 90% of it. And they're always, 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 always slammed. Like Yeah, sure. Um, Specialty shop that does Yeah, there's one the shop stuff. That, that's literally all they do. That's really cool Um, for every show, Uh, sure. But yeah, uh, yeah, it's all it's screen printing in the with these plastisol inks.
0: Yeah. Um, So if any of you
1: cosplayers want to, you know, that are really good with screen printing and figuring out plastisols and you know stuff like that, that's that's a niche that there's just not enough of out here. Is is people that that screen print these fabrics. Well, and
0: people are going to go to find out that your crappiest marathon shirt that somehow ended up in your, you know, in your closet from early two thousands that's all cracked, and when you wear it, it itches you. That's plastisol <laughs> ink because there's a reason yeah. it's still there, right? So, yeah, for everyone, everyone who's gotten into screen printing that remembers, you know, doing your own band's merchandise. Oh, we're using yep. the cheapest ink we can. Well, it's got a like a layer on it because it's so freaking thick. Um, yeah. and you've got to you got to bake it on there and do all that stuff. So I, that oh, yeah. that is a that is a a a technique as true as time and it makes perfect sense how it would transition into costuming um, yep. versus you know what the the puff paint I'm sure was like the in Raimi Spider-Man I think was really brought a lot of that to light in terms of Yeah, you of, know
1: it's it's a similar thing like they have a lot of these plastisols that expand when they're heated and you know they'll screen it and they heat it and it rises up and that's how they get a lot of that dimensionality and then yeah. you also have to think you know the the limits, the limitations of the size of their screens is influencing yeah. how these costumes are designed. So you think about all these superhero suits that are all panelized. It's because they can only make screens so big. You yeah, know you can't. That makes a ton like makes of sense. Who's who's got a screen that's sixty inches wide by, you know, four yards? Nobody. You don't. <laughs> no. <laughs> right. Um, so everything is is limited by the size of the largest screen that's practical to screen print with, and that's yeah. why costumes a lot of times that influences how costumes are designed and built
0: sure and i imagine that mesh is probably a really low like an 80 or a 120 because that 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 fluid is so thick coming out of there if you know you can't go any higher than that
1: uh, yeah i think there's a couple of different yeah there's there's so much nuance into, into doing that screen printing and i don't i don't know enough about it yeah um i looked into it a couple of times on on getting equipment and doing some of that stuff and it's just such a big investment um, and I wasn't, I just didn't have the, the bandwidth to split sure. myself another direction.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's and it's a cool, well, again, I mean, specialty shops exist for a reason because mm. they choose to go that route and sometimes yeah. it's just easier to do it. And, mm-hmm. uh, and something else I think is kind of interesting because were, were you, you guys were the shops that did the, that did the biker scouts, right? Yep, we did the biker scouts. And um, and I would love to know how was that selection process when you look at there are six different vendors across the 501st Legion that that have you know that make biker scout armor. You know, did you did you know ahead of time this was going to happen because,
1: you know, ahead of time. Was, Oh, you're funny.
0: I'm oh. trying, I'm trying to be optimistic and not scare everybody away from this industry, Frank is, is, you know, but, but you get an order, you, you know, what, what made you go with a certain vendor? Cause I know that I, I'm, I'm a fan of Waltz. I'm a friend of Waltz, And so it was really cool for him to see that his armor made it into a production. But what was that process like for, for selecting who, and Walt, who, uh, Waltz trooper factory, the, the bodies of the, uh, biker scouts.
1: Is that who I got it from? I believe so.
0: Not the helmets, I believe the helmets were EFX, right?
1: No no, the helmets were not EFX. Um, who were the
0: helmet who were the helmets
1: RS props? I got I have to look, but yeah, so Bons. what happened was is Joseph Poro said, "Hey, we need to make these biker scouts, and we don't have two sets. And I was like, well, what do they need to do? Do they need to you know are they for stunts or for the, no, they're just standing around. I just need I need three of them." And so there was somebody that I had used, um, for, for other stuff when I was, uh, I think it was when I was building Janina's armor for, for Battlefront, um, Battlefield, Battlefront, um, Battlefront. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm looking through my, my emails right now. Um, and I, I was just like, dude, how fast can you get me biker scouts? Yeah. And he was just like, uh, a week or whatever, whatever it was. It was like ridiculous. Cause we had no yeah. time. Sure. And, um,
0: I want to say and, that I believe there, I'm, I'm a biker scout myself. Um, there's a couple of armor builders for biker scouts, uh, especially here in the States. Uh,
1: Walt is out of Connecticut. If that makes any sense. Uh, Mon I, you know, Cal Clim- is out of Denver. I think I'm a jerk cause I forget his name, but I, I'm, uh, uh, I feel so bad that I forget it now. I'm looking it up. That's okay. I, I I'm so interested to hear this because I'm pretty sure. And
0: then the soft parts, I believe, came from Steph Mortimer out of Florida, who did the cummerbunds.
1: No, soft. It did go to different. It did came from different people. The helmets. The helmets did come from him. We did have some helmets from him. Some. So. Yeah, well, this was another one of those things that like. The, you know, you can, we can go back now that I'm, now that I'm done searching, you can edit this back into it. Sure, Um, sure. It's, it's one of those weird things. Like we kind of refer to it as the 501st dark web, like every once in a while on, on all of the Star Wars projects that we've worked on, there'll be a point where we're just up against the wall and somebody will go and, and a, a prop master or a costume department will say, I don't care where you get it. I don't care how you do it. Right. Just this is what we need. Something. Can you do yeah. it in two weeks? Yeah. And I said, yeah. Um, and because we had had that relationship with him when we built Janina's armor for, for battlefront. Right. Um, I, I reached out to him. I was like, Hey, can you pull this off? Like you've helped me before. Sure. And at the time I couldn't tell him what it was for. Um, yeah. I, I, think I, he, I just he, he it. may have been guessing and, sure. <laughs> um, but like it was one of those things, like there was like literally no other way to do it that fast. All right. Um, and and it was funny because they said it was just going to be a couple of guys standing around and first day on set, they have him like flying off of a speeder and they, and the armor explodes and they were like, <laughs> and somebody was just like, oh yeah, finger doesn't know how to make armor. And it's just like, you, assholes. we, a, we did this in two weeks. Right. And B that's like, like abs plastic. Yeah. <laughs> B there was never supposed to be stunts. So right. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Like, that's yeah. not what we were hired to do. So sure. yeah, so we those are, so yeah, you want to get in a five hundred first official stuff? Get it from him, and that's the official Biker Scouts. Because <laughs> I like I literally
0: that's... was just helping my friend build a what they're called Remnant Scouts is what we're referring to them in the Legion, and oh. um and so we I'm building this for him, yeah, and he specifically was like, I want to build that because I love that they had humor and they had more personality than they did in Return of the John, blah blah, yeah, and I was like, well, if you want the most accurate kit that was the one they had but i think we we're trying to figure out where the helmets came from and i don't know if it so, was a waltz helmet i thought it was a, it, i thought we had identified it as an efx he or had an ar helmet okay and
1: um this one is is from him sure which is the one that i wear yeah um but uh oh God, it wasn't efx that they used on set and i can't remember who it was but it was this and they may have gotten different. There was so many... Like, they had helmets for everybody. Like, yeah. literally everything. They had these, like, closets full of... There was fan-made stuff. There was, like, literally everything. Um, stuff from other shows. St- like, so it could have been anything. But sure, I'm, I sure. don't recall it being any of those things from EFX. Okay. Okay, interesting. Um, um, I could be I, wrong. I could be way wrong. But I don't recall that being...
0: That's fine. It's, it's interesting because I, I know that... Uh, and and I'm sure like it's regional too, right? Like like the in Rogue One, the the Soguera's rebel scout had that all black bucket, and that's an RS mm-hmm. props because they're in England. That makes sense. Why wait three months for it to get there overseas if you're going to ship it from there? And Walt's, you know, you're in California, he's in Connecticut. How fast can you make it?
1: Get it on the on the truck yeah, to get it, over I mean, here. It was just know? because he was he was nice to us, and we had enough money to throw at him that it was yeah. worth his while to. Crack these things out as fast as he could, and then I had, right. you know, I had a small army of people cutting them out and putting them together over here. Yeah, um, which you know, for a, you know, a couple of my buddies that were working at the time, it's like we're building Piker Scout for Star Wars. Like this it is was awesome. <laughs> yeah, we had fun. <laughs> sure, sure, um,
0: and, and that's and that's awesome because I think that there is that. You know, we we go back and forth between and the fan group, of course, Star Wars has that fan group of people who clearly have this has gotten way out of control from what Lucas originally intended in 1976 or maybe not at all. Maybe this is exactly what he intended. Right. Um, But but for for you guys, as prop shops and Terry Chu and I talked about this where he goes, listen, if you're Frank Apolito, you're not going to sit there and mold Buck's and do the you know start all this over when you know that you got a damn good set of fan armor that's ready to go almost instantaneously minus the trimming and adjusting for the people it makes a lot of sense and so i can imagine that in and i know Trooper Bay Mike out of out of California helped on mm-hmm. the on the Rodriguez episode where you know he was doing the pauldrons and so is there that relationship between you know, between prop shops, do you know most of where you can find the stuff or you have people who are able to say, oh, if you're looking for this armor, this is the guy who does it, you know, is is there that yeah, community? There's, there's a
1: couple of people that I really, really trust when it comes to trying to find these things. Okay. Um, You know, I have a, I've, a, have I've made a handful of friends through, through the years that are just buddies that just sort of know the, the 501st dark web better than me. Sure. Um, And they point me in the right direction a lot of times. So, yeah, people like Trooper Bay or Walt or or, or whoever, like, you know, like on that show that I was talking about that we foam fabricated some backpacks, Yeah, um, my buddy Hal Clay in Georgia had a whole bunch of parts that we couldn't find. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, when we did that, like on a lot of shows, like that one specifically, we when we got it, we just went and bought literally anything that was fan made, um, as far as parts and stuff like that, to figure out what we're going to remold, what we're going to use, and what was most accurate. Because yeah. we had, we had assets straight from Sony on that show. Wow. Um, which so, yeah, and that's... we're still not going to say what it is, but oh <clears throat> yeah, we, yeah, we yeah. had we had the things from Sony, and we realized really fast that a lot of the like what stuff that was fan made was incorrect and what stuff that was correct. Right. Um, And, and all the stuff that we foam fabricated, we patterned straight off of originals. That's Um, awesome. And, you know, like, you know, because, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of fan made plans out there. And I have a binder this thick of all my reference. And there's a lot of fan made plans out there that are really great. You know, like people like Sean Bishop have made some really great, you know, blueprints of how to build stuff. Right. They're not, necessarily cor- not that not i'm not putting down sean bishop he's like the stuff that he's done for the the fandom has been excellent but yeah. they're not necessarily correct it's not the it's not the you know the bible um, yeah right patterning right. off of the original assets that we had in the way that we did was it was just like one step closer to being correct um for the final things which was a ton of fun um yeah and that's the same thing with, with the, the Star Wars stuff. Like a lot of times we get access to original stuff. Like when we did the chess set, when I was at Phil Tippett's, I got to go to the archives and I, I had a Pantone book and I was color matching the chess set guys to, to the ones that they had there at the archives. Um, you know, and then, and that helped paid off even in, in my episode of, of Mandalorian with the Mon Calamari, yeah. I had photos of all the Calamari in the archives. Yeah. Um so I was able to really see how all that stuff was you know, some of it was obviously touched up through the in the archives, like the sure. like the, the one hero head. So when I went there I was like, Oh, that's repainted. Um Yeah, not an original. It's very clear that the original head that's in the archives, the hero head, has been repainted. Yeah. Um What do you think that was for? What, do you think it was just for a traveling museum or something? Could it could have they... been for a commercial, somebody needed to to do some thing. Could have been for the Christmas special. Could have been for anything. Like sure. they were just like, Oh, (laughs) it needs to go out. someone, some idiot, like just, you know, put some figure eights in yellow paint. And it was just like, Ooh, that's not right. (laughs) Um, That's not the guy who saved us in
0: return of the Jedi. I can tell you that much.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, you know, and, and then when, when we did ours, um, you know, we had artwork from, from, uh, from production of how they wanted the two heads the two main heads painted um and by the way i had a weekend to make the change on those paints oh my gosh you know, like like we we shot one carrot we shot the the guy inside the bar yeah one day yep. and then i had like pretty much a weekend to repaint it for myself as the dock worker how many um, of those did you end up making just the two of them hero yeah yep we
0: holy we made two cow heroes, or we
1: no we made one hero which is both characters <laughs> okay sure
0: right yeah and in no. that process then because you have one and and i think the mont calamari i'm sure if, to to build it up too right because i think even in return of the jedi they have different they're they're like humans right skin tones are supposed to be designed, yeah. designed to be different and yeah. you know akbar is different from the two commanders that were behind mm-hmm. him and you know yeah. so i mean and 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 what I want to ask as well because I, I I find all this stuff just so fascinating Frank and again you're a treasure trove of information. Um when w- what is that process of going from a brilliant concept artist like Brian Matias then it gets to someone like you worked with oh, Sean. stuff is
1: excellent. We did so He's much so great cool. stuff. Yeah, and he was he was always really nice. Like it's so funny like cuz I'll get his artwork and I'll message him on Instagram. I go, "Hey, I just got another one of your drawings." I get to build and, and he's like, literally, I don't even know what it is anymore. Like, because they have so many code words on everything. (laughs) Right. Yeah. um, Yeah. No, he's, he's great. Um, His artwork is awesome. Um, You know, I loved working with Joseph Poro on that first season. Sure. Um, And then trying uh, to get both
0: of them on the show. I would, I think our listeners would love, lose their mind. I would also lose my mind because I'm such a fan (laughs) of both of them. But um, but but going from that process of Brian's, I mean, his some of his concepts. I mean, I, I have all the books. I buy all the art yeah. of books. They're incredible. Mm-hmm. And you look through it, and I find it so fascinating just to see where the concept what's st- what stood the test of the whole process when it was finally brought to fabrication versus what got changed. You know, and for sometimes
1: you, it's sometimes it's a function of how much time we have to finesse. Sometimes it's a function you know, sometimes they're just like, hey, we this here's the concept. What can you build over the weekend? Um Oh, okay. Yeah, and, and sometimes too. Sometimes there's a picture that's the size of a postage stamp that they say, Hey, this so you know in it was in second season there was some uh Imperial pilots with like these like like flight caps. Yeah um like soft hats i can't remember right. what they're like like snoopy cap kind of things yep the reference photo that they gave me was the size of a postage stamp they were like this and it was off of a macquarie painting oh my was gosh. this big and they said can you make what that is and i was like i don't know what that is
0: yeah i can't even see that <laughs> yeah and so
1: so you know through the like and and some of this stuff it's it's the designer and somebody says, here, this is what we want you to make. And the designer just hands that straight to me. And I go, what is this? And so we have to make it up. And then that's just, that ends up, that's Canon now, like whatever that is, it's done, you know, like,
0: and, and what is that handoff process from, you know, the Brian makes it, it gets rubber stamped by, you know, a producer that says this looks good. And then, and then it goes to, to Sean or whoever the costume lead costume designer is. And then from there, I mean, how, how, how involved is, is it different case by case? But like, you it's know, different are you, case how, by case. okay. So in like, what's the, the process of like checking in? Like, Hey, I'm halfway done with this. Is this still looking like what you want? I mean, how, how often are you checking in on, well, on progress or is it different?
1: You know, it depends. Every, every designer and supervisor and department is different. Sometimes like sometimes there's people that will hand us a project and then they're just like, let us know when it's done. Um, and some people, cool. you know, cause they, they trust us, they, you know, like, yeah. like Joseph Poro, he would give us stuff and he would trust us that it would get done and he wouldn't need to come and check in. We'd, I'd send, text him photos or whatever, but you know, most of the time they don't need to do that. Sometimes there's designers that are, um, a little bit, and, and this isn't just Star Wars, this is other shows too, that just are like way too sitting on your shoulders all the time and they don't let you just build like sure yeah or or they don't trust the process or it's it's literally always different like sometimes you just do whatever sometimes somebody's on your shoulders sometimes people check in all the time sometimes people every department is different every show is different every need is different so there's there's not really like this is how it's done and that's how we always do it like yeah you you, you have to roll with whoever that is and more and more I've been getting pickier on who I say yes to jobs with, um, like because of that, I imagine we're, we're comfortable in, in the amount of work that we have coming in. Like we're not like, none of us are, are buying our third house or anything stupid like that, but we're all (laughs) like, we're all making bills and happy and like, you know, we're not stressing every single day. So I'm a little bit pickier these days on who I say yes to, because I don't want to have those departments those department heads that make it not fun for us to do a project. Um, Right. So, you know, yeah, I could be a hell of a lot busier if I said yes to everything that walked in the door, but at what cost, right? Yeah. I don't, I I would rather have a life. Yeah, sure. I can, I can
0: definitely empathize with that. And then what is that like going from you're working with Joseph in, in season one, you establish Moff Gideon has this, this great design of almost looks snow y kind of reminiscent yeah. of a black version of General Veers. And yep. then you have to bring it in to get closer up in season two. Yeah. And, and then what is, but, but two different costume designers that are kind of running the show. So like, what is there a transition ever or is there kind of a continuity understanding?
1: You know, like, what is that like? It's a, it's a funny thing with, with costume designers. Sometimes, they feel that they need to put their fingerprint on everything, even if it's already established. Like a stormtrooper. Yeah. Like why do you need to why do you need to put your fingerprint on a stormtrooper? Like just run it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But some sometimes and I'm I'm not saying that I'm not saying this about any of these things speci- any of these shows specifically. I'm sure. just speaking more in generalities. Yeah. Yeah. Um sometimes they just want to fiddle with things just because well I'm the designer now so I want to fiddle with things. It's like you, you kind of <laughs> don't need to change like why don't you focus on all the things that we haven't seen yet yeah Quit trying to redesign what we've already seen sure um so sometimes there's a little bit of that like even you know again like i'm like really good buddies with joseph and there'd be times where joseph would be like oh well this is this but maybe i want to tweak it. i go joseph it's already established let's just build it he's like okay <laughs> you know <laughs> sure, sure okay you know yeah. like we're we're a couple of loud Italians, so we just like it's funny, like when he's in the shop, like we're just like top of our lungs, like blah 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 blah. blah. Like I it's it's so much fun working with people like him. This um, is a
0: good time to tell you, Frank, that my middle name is Gambino. Ah. I'm very Sicilian, uh, right, so I yeah. can, I can if you if you haven't noticed the, as I <laughs> slap my microphone, the amount of, uh, you know, and there's a lot of this, and I'm yelling in like our family reunions, I have to put in earphones because, you know, everyone likes to, rather than talk at a normal volume, we just would just yeah, really right? scream across the room at <laughs> each other. So I feel like I, I can empathize with that so much of hearing two Italians yelling at each oh, other yeah. and say, what do you want to do? I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do you do that. I'm gonna. So yeah. I, I, and, I get that, that you're that's, speaking that's my also language. The
1: br- yeah. That's also the relationship I have with Joseph. Like we're sure. just, we're buddies. Like we can uh-huh. talk to each other like that. And you know, I'm like, Joseph, why do you need to change it? Oh, you're right. You're right. Let's just do it. You know, like, but when you could have that kind of a, a shorthand and have a conversation, you know, like, very direct like that. And, and people, they're like, their ego isn't being bruised or they're not like yeah. whatever. Like those are the people I like to work with. Like I'll work right. with Joseph Poro any day of the week. Yeah. Um, he's just like a fun little firecracker to work with. Yeah. Um, and, or, and,
0: and the, tr- and the trust and understanding I, I can imagine too, from you to say that, you know, that you can, you can challenge when you need to, because oh, yeah. you, you also want him to be represented well too. Right. Rather than saying, yeah, Oh, course. Joseph
1: tried to redesign the entire Imperial army and yeah. we failed. You know, I think that there's some stuff that just doesn't need to be redesigned. And sometimes designers just get, get all bundled on having to redesign. something. it's like, No, just run it it's fine um you know another another show that i work uh, a lot on is umbrella academy like we just finished our third season on umbrella academy and you know that's another one of these shows where the producers and the showrunner and the, the costume department head and like everybody that i deal with that they're great like i could text them and call them and like we could have these like very direct conversations about stuff like very quickly yeah. we we build some really, really nice stuff for that show because I have this like really great relationship with those people. Um, and like, I will, you know, I will work on a, um, on a Steve Blackman slash Everett Burrell show any day of the, any day of the week. Because, it just went that smooth. Yeah. Yeah. Like Blackman is a show runner. He's, he's a, a really good guy. He listens, he knows how to compromise. He knows how to you know, he, he tells us what he wants and, and we work to get that. But when, when there's either time or budget restrictions, he's cool to make concessions, like sure, totally great to work with. Yeah. And then, you know, Everett, the, the producer and VFX supervisor on that show, like he's like probably one of the best people to work for in this town because he used to own a special effects shop. So he knows yeah. the practical side. He knows the the physical side he's he was a, a doer, supervisor yeah. he knows that side so right. now that he's producing and directing also like he really knows what the hell he's talking about yeah um so working on a show like umbrella academy is a dream like we just yeah. built some really great stuff for season three stuff that i'm really really proud of and i can't wait for everybody to see and whenever yeah. the hell it comes out but <laughs> sure um like that's another show where you know we get a lot of freedom and a lot of trust in these productions from the productions to for us to build it, yeah, and it comes out great, you know, yeah, we don't have and, somebody like harping on us sitting on our shoulders or moving things a millimeter left and right, like you put the kneecaps upside down, Frank, what were you thinking you're You've never seen a I am not Scout, a set costumer. that is not my <laughs> decision that was the set costumer. im we deliver. So this is how it works. They say, hey, Frank, we need three biker scouts in two weeks. Can you do it? Yes. So a day before it shows, shows up, there whatever it is, I have it in a box. Yeah. Somebody from Transpo comes and yes. picks it up, yeah. takes it to set, and then that's it. I have nothing to do with it after that. They spent a day painting <laughs> it. A guy named Jeff Himmel is the one that that, that aged all of that armor. Yeah. Uh, put all the brown all over it. Yeah, it looks nice. Yeah, sure, makes sense. And then it goes on. And then it goes on set. And then it's the yeah. set costumer that handles it. I don't. I, mean, yeah. I have nothing to do with that. <laughs> that's the part. That's the part that cracked me up. Is that you would
0: have thought the five hundred first, the 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 uh, more mobile troopers are called the pathfinders. That's how they subjugate our our group. And sure. you would have thought that this was the most offensive thing that's ever happened to Star Wars, that the freaking kneecaps were on Upside Down. And then what more I comfortable loved, that
1: way anyways.
0: You are absolutely correct.
1: They're more comfortable. Because I've
0: I've messed them up. I'm a Return of the Jedi mm-hmm. biker scout. And I put them on Upside Down accidentally. I was like, actually, oh, geez, they're Upside Down. But, mm, that was kind of nice. And then I love that they double down on it, Season 2, Upside Down again. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Cracked me up. Yeah, they've I,
1: established I, it. It's, it is what it it's is. It's canon.
0: It's canon, yeah. baby. The other, yeah. the other question I have for you: When you're working with, with someone like famously Dave Filoni is like mm-hmm. everybody's Saturday morning cartoon friend, right? Like yeah. this, the two guys that just love the deep cuts, yeah. and have brought the scum and villainy and the the toy that never that was clearly designed just to be sold at Kmart. They're bringing all that stuff to life because yep. they're such detail people. Yeah. Do you when you're making something like this for a property that's so revered like Star Wars, you know, did you did you get that sense? Were you were you seeing that in the way that the show is handled as a prop maker yourself? Do you ever like say, hey, do you think Dave would like this or is it all at that point? Are you too far removed from from understanding where those relationships are?
1: Well, Filoni and Favreau are the people that that should have this franchise in their hand. They have the attention to the detail. They have, um, they have such a vision for the, the scope and the lore and where things came from and where they're going. Right. Like I have, I don't have a single bad thing to say about either of those guys. Those guys are excellent. They're excellent filmmakers. They're excellent storytellers. They're, they're excellent to be around. Yeah. Um, I have never like, you know, a lot of the stuff that we've done, we've had to have a like. Season one, Gideon and Cara Dune, like establishing all of these characters, like Filoni and Favreau were in the rooms with us when we were doing the first test fittings for all these guys. Right. Very easy to deal with. They, you know, doing my calamari, like doing all my test fittings and, you know, like the rehearsals and stuff like that. Super easy going dudes. Like, yeah, they know exactly what they want. They're super nice, humble dudes. They're great. Um, Yeah. And I don't think that, that there's a better set of people on the planet that this franchise should be in the hands of. Well,
0: when we, when I interviewed Paul, uh, Sung Sun Young Lee for when he, you know, of course, famously Carson Teva were, Oh yeah. Paul, if you're listening, we're hoping for your black series. Of course, we've talked about this and joked about this. When I,
1: when I was up in, in Toronto working on umbrella Academy, I went and, and got, uh, got dinner or lunch with Paul. Oh, he's just the, the best. He's the best human. He is the,
0: yeah. he's the best person.
1: We painted, we painted his helmet, his, his helmet and Filoni's helmet. They're uh they tie helmets. So I have a helmet for Paul down in the shop that we're gonna paint for him of the same way that we painted his for the show. You have to
0: listen to the episode because he told me specifically that you were doing that for him. <laughs> it's great. I love that you just said that because he's gonna get the biggest kick out of this hearing it from yeah. the other side that you're like, Yeah. Because I think the you know, the Carson and the Trapper Wolf and Dave's famous like loath wolf right yeah, on the, yeah. the emblem I'd be so good. Um, and, and you know, when you're when you're there and and Paul had said that when he first got on set, John Favreau specifically was like, hey, let me walk you around I, I, because I don't want you to basically fan out, like lose your lose the scope that because you are a fan of this stuff. And he said yeah, it was very cool. I was playing it very cool. But he showed me around just so that I could kind of like settle myself into saying, oh. I'm working yeah. in Star Wars. Oh my gosh! And he kind of he he settled his nerves, and then obviously did a great job on the show. I love his character and what he he added yeah. to the show. Um. And and did you did you know Did you have this moment? I, I know that you're such a seasoned veteran of this industry, but I imagine that Star Wars had the same impact on you. To, for your inspiration as it did oh, for, for sure. many people, you know, sure. and, and, and then you realize and then you're on this, you know, you're on this crazy set of Trask with this giant volume behind you and it's mm-hmm. making all, you know, everything just looks amazing. I mean, what, what is that like for you, Frank, as a, as a fan of this franchise, clearly to, to be well, this involved with it?
1: Well, Mon Calamari's are hands down my favorite alien race. So to get to play a Mon Calamari on the show, like, th- like what else? What else is there? You know, like made. Like, well, life. So made. on, on force <laughs> awakens, I got a name in, in the, my name in the, in the screen credits on force awakens as head puppet fabricator yeah. underneath in Phil Tippett's crew. Like, yeah. Like that was like, are you kidding me? Like, yeah, I got a, a credit on a star Wars film that says that, you I know, and then, yes. yeah. And then to jump to <laughs> getting to play my favorite alien race on the TV show, little, like I had no idea how well this was going to be received. like, a that it was in the trailer of that episode. Yeah. B that it, it turned into a meme. Like it's <laughs> like it's great. Yeah. Um so like I I don't I mean, I, there's there's some stuff that we've done on other Star Wars shows since then that has rounded out all sure. the rest of my to do list yeah. in yeah. the in the universe. And so if I never work on another Star Wars thing in my life, like I won't be sad because I've done all the things that I want. And and that oh man, because I, I said this to Paul, I said the
0: how positive you are as a person and he's just a good dude. And I can just tell yeah, that he is. With, he,
1: with he is.
0: Yeah. And, and, to, and to get that opportunity and I can even just tell talking to you, Frank, that that, you know, you are you're a salt of the earth person in terms of saying I want to make cool stuff to, to, to have fun and to employ people who also want to have fun. And, and, you know, you just, you, you love to see these opportunities happen for people, uh, just because that's the kind of energy I feel like we need to put out into the world, right. Is, is that, you know, you can achieve things, you can work hard and you can, and you can have these crazy opportunities that you never would have thought possible when we were kids. Right. Um, and, and, you know, for you get this, how how, the other, I've got to ask this, how did they decide that you were going to be the, the, the stunt double as the Mon Calamari is just because you're available, you're there, you know the well, suit? Like, what was that?
1: Well, originally, the way in the discussions that I had with the producers is that we were going to um, supply the performers for the animatronic heads that we were built. Because okay. they were built, speci- there's no room inside of those things. Once you get all the animatronics in, the eyes move and blink and... The mouth moves and the lips move and the nostrils move and like so much stuff. There's like the eye the IMAX sit right on my forehead right here. Yeah, like they're right on my head. So you you have to build it to fit a certain person. You put the skull cap in there and it's got to get oriented a certain way because you got to see out of the nostrils. Like there's, sure, sure, it's built specifically for a person. So I said we were because of how this is we're building it for our performer. Okay, and originally I was supposed to I was it was in the agreement that I was going to supply both of the performers, but at the last second, they wanted to stick somebody else into the, the cantina or the diner or whatever that was. So they swapped um, it
0: with a corn right? No, no, the, no,
1: not the corn. There's the guy that serves them the food. Oh, right, right.
0: With the, with yeah. the little squid in the, in the soup. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, originally that was supposed to be, that was originally supposed to be me.
0: Oh, and at the last okay. second, I see what you're saying. They
1: said, Hey, we're going to use this other guy. And I was like, that's not our deal. And they're like, well, you could be the, the other one. And I was like, what other one? What do you mean we're doing two? The Harbor master. (laughs) Yeah. And, (laughs) and so, um, I was a little miffed because like, that was, you know, we, we were building it to fit my head and this other guy had a small enough head that it fit and it was fine. And he was a really nice guy. Like I felt bad. I was just in such a crabby mood because, you know, they had pulled put a little switcheroo on us at the last second. Sure. Sure. I feel bad. Cause it, the guy was a really nice fella and he did a good job. Is um, it just
0: a, a stunt, a stunt actor?
1: No, a, he was a, a he, I don't know where they got him from. I think he probably auditioned for something somewhere oh, okay. here or there. Okay. And somebody said it was an actor. Okay. I think, but I, I don't, I really don't remember like what he's done before. Sure. Sure. Um, and, and I had sort of checked out once they started like swapping this around. I was like, Whatever you know, yes, <laughs> sure. Um, you know, yeah. I was just focusing on getting these things built and painted, and and then getting yeah. the changeover, right? Um, you know, from one to the other, and uh, yeah, I mean, even like even oh, even down to the eyes. Like I'm, we must have made four different sets of eyeballs for that thing, because first we got artwork and we built eyes that were very, very, very similar to the original Akbar eyes. Okay. And then they said, no, we want it different. And so we made another set of eyes and they said, no, we want a differenter. And so we made another set. Like we, we made a lot of different sets of eyes for that because they production kept on massaging what they wanted. Um, and
0: when you say they, wh- what role is that? That's, that's kind of that serving as that liaison over, you know, what, it, at who that is point, that? Role?
1: I was dealing directly with one of the producers. Okay. Um, and he was just like, ah, oh, I don't remember who it was. Somebody said, oh, they want the eyes more this or more that. So we made another set of eyes. Um, And they were, they were cool. They had, it was a, this really great, beautifully sculpted core that was painted really, really pretty. Uh, The, there's a a girl that worked for us um, named Nora and um, Nora was on face off. Also, she won her season of face off. Which season? Oh, geez. Now, now we're uh, talking Nora about. Nora Hewitt, feet. I I can't oh, okay. remember what season she was on. Maybe five? Nora painted them and they were gorgeous. Um uh, one of these days I'll I'll post some close up pictures of her eyes. They were pretty. Um Season nine. There you go. Yeah. Um season nine. So yeah, Nora worked for me for a long, long time. And then when the pandemic hit, her and um her and uh her her partner wanted to um they wanted to move to Colorado and then they ended up in Texas. And I think they're in Florida now. Like, okay. Um, they just, they wanted to get out of the business cause it's, it's crazy out here. Um, yeah, I imagine. but yeah, Nora I was, imagine. Nora was great. She, she did all those eyes on the calamari and, and all the background ones we built too. She built, she painted all those eyes. Oh, it's so cool. And then in that um, part, you, so, so you make that, you
0: make these pieces They're you know, how, how much of this, you know the the eyes have to be modular they have to be able to be removed and taken out is that just no, they because of no
1: they weren't built made to be taken out okay. um but because of the constraints of how the animatronics were they, right. had, they they couldn't be as deep as like if you think about the hero Akbar yeah. from return of the jedi right he's got a lot of depth in in the clear coat on right. his eyes yeah that's because they had a lot more room for the animatronics. Because if you remember that one was a hand puppet for the closeups. Oh yeah.
0: There yes, was, that, yes, yes. Was, that was
1: when it was on the guy's head, it was never fully animatronic. Oh, right. Um, so mine, because a, we were using that exact same, um, calamari core, you know, right. that, that original sculpture, um, there, there was no room to put anything else in. And so to get the mechanics in there, we couldn't get the same, get as much depth as that original hand puppet. Cause there's more and that maybe, goes into it. Maybe with more time, more finesse, more R and D, we probably could have eked out another quarter of an inch of depth to, to do something or, but you know, again, it's, and it's not a function of the way our shop functions or the way that this, this film functions. It's just the way the industry is. There's just not yeah. enough time to like really finesse this stuff to the nth degree that, that a lot of hobbyists get the chance to do, you know,
0: that's right. And you, and your point of that is you, and you, and you made that point brilliantly. It's like, yeah, it's, it's also being very happy with a, what you would consider pro screen ready product that has to be done over a weekend. That's going to be yeah. seen and, on the screen. That's, that's,
1: and that's normal for a lot of shows and a lot of like there's shops that run even crazier turnarounds than I do. Like I, I try and limit that, especially nowadays. I try and limit that insanity because we all love having our free time and, you know, love having a a life. Yeah. Um, You know, like most of the people that work here, we're just 40 hours and we're out. Yeah. You know, until some crazy show comes up and then we're working long hours. But um, I try not to take those that that often.
0: And I have to imagine that that's that's an understanding of... Mm -hmm. The industry, yeah. like you said at the beginning, is is there are going to be our busy seasons and there's going to be our production seasons, and mm-hmm. you know we're working on that, so that that makes sense. So, and and I I'm just curious, how do you go about reviving the Mon calamari? What was that? Is is that you go in the
1: archives, you scan it, or is it a, a new no. fresh sculpt? So what, how how do you do that? So a bunch of years ago, when I was working on stuff for Tested.com, Adam Savage had come across a casting out of the original mold. I remember so the story. Ha- yeah. So he had a casting and he gave it to me and he said, Frank, could you remold this and make this into a full mask? Cause he wanted to do Admiral Ackbar, you know, with like an old school Admiral costume. Yeah. Comic-Con. And so I built that for him back then. And part of the deal was I get to keep the molds. Um, nice. And so funny enough, when you know how I told you that there were supposed to be two performers the calamari yeah the second performer would have been i would have called adam to be the second (laughs) performer but they but they were like no you're gonna use this guy and i'm like but i would have been (laughs) it should have and and i would have done that as a thank you for adam for right for you know providing that asset and you know that's because that would be the right thing to do and yeah and at the last second when we got boned, I knew that I needed a, an extra puppeteer. And so I actually sure. texted Adam. And I, I was like, Hey, are you busy this weekend? And he didn't get back to me that like in time, oh. whatever the dates were. Sure. And he didn't, he didn't respond to me on time. And so I was like, well, I need another puppeteer. I, I want to give this to somebody cool. Like somebody you called and Janina, so I, right? I texted Janina next. Yeah. So I said, Janina, uh, are you busy for this day? she's like, what do you want? And I was like, "You're gonna come play on Star Wars with me," and she's like, "Down, I'm in. Let's go." Yeah. No, like, like since I've done those things with Janina, like we've become really good buddies. Like, yeah. Um, I've worked on her films and uh, you know, her short films that she's done, and sure, like she's just like a really great friend now. Like, yeah, we're we're buddies. Like, yeah. And so I was just like, "Let's go play Star Wars," and she's like, "I'm in."
0: So. And it was, you know, and I, and I, I crack up because, you know, here she is, uh, co-starring with Jennifer Aniston in the morning show. Mm-hmm. And then obviously being the, uh, and, and I hope I'm crossing my fingers that we get some, I love that, that, uh, Rick had mentioned operation cinder and season mm-hmm. two, and now we're tying in battlefront and the, the lore yep. is just expanding. So I would love to see Janina's portrayal of Iden. On screen ever in even a short film. But of course, like the technology is so good. I mean, you, that's, that was her, you know, it's like, yeah, the mo- no, no cap is, she that's is, her. I'm,
1: yeah, a hundred percent. And I think, yeah. I think that what's, what may happen is like, I know that with video games and I'm pretty sure this is how that works is that they have a certain, um, time that has to elapse before it can get like kind of turned over. Yeah. Because in case the video game wants to continue that storyline, like they have to have, a certain amount of time. So, that, you know, they can't like, I don't think that, you know, they could just start pulling everything out of video games yet, which is probably right. why uh, there's probably a lot of stuff that hasn't been pulled out because it's just, it's just got to go through its time cycle before it's released into being able to be used in, in other storylines.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, and there was the, you know, cause even just them, uh, and of course I'm all consumed by star Wars, but the Cal Kestis lightsaber, mm-hmm from fallen order is going to be revealed possibly this well at the time of this filming this weekend at galaxy's edge which is really cool because then you have uh you know you then you have this video game character that yeah in electronic arts is a humongous company it's not like this was a you know a deep cut on windows 98 like dark forces or something which clearly feloni is a fan of um Mm -hmm. but it's it's cool to see that that even just being a it's not, you, you know, Janina is not just a video game character. Like that is Aiden Verso who is huge in being yeah. able to, to fight the empire. And then to have it mentioned on the show is just so rad in my yeah, opinion.
1: No, they're, they're Filoni and Favreau, like I said, are so smart with how they're handling the universe and the lore and, and they're doing it the right way. Like, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, uh, I think that they're doing a good job at that stuff. So it's great. And when you say that you had, uh, uh,
0: you have people that leave and, and the industry gets for whatever, it has a life cycle for some people. Mm-hmm. I get that. Mm-hmm. I'm a graphic designer by trade, creative director. My skills are, you know, I could go get a job wherever around the country. Cause that, but, yeah. but you guys are in a like, man, you guys are, you have your skill set That's like fairly nuanced in terms of. You know, you make stuff for productions. You make stuff for film. You make stuff for this. Where do people when they leave the industry? What do they end up doing? What do they do? They do they stay in the industry? Do they? You know, I can't imagine going from LA to like I'm going to move to Des Moines
1: because it's um, nice there. You know, what do you, you know, do
0: with these skill sets? I think,
1: I think that some people, um, I don't know. Like I know that Nora is working for a company that builds um, like medical training. Uh, dummies, like medical simulation kind of thing. So she's still building like body parts and, you know, doing silicone and still building and fabricating stuff. Wow. So so there's other places in the, in, in the country that still do stuff similar to this. Like there's, there's companies that build stuff for theme parks, you know, um, there, there's ways to do stuff. Like, I mean, hell, if I ever wanted to just hang it up and go do something stupid, I'd go move to somewhere. And just go do Halloween stuff once a year, you know, build a house, <laughs> do a haunted house or something, you know, like there's plenty of things you can do anything. I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, I have, I have this, this <laughs> kind of pipe dream that, um, you know, I want to move to the Pacific Northwest, like up in Oregon or something like that. Yeah. And just move all my, all my equipment, all my toys and tools up there and then just tinker into retirement, you know? Like. That's a nice that's, place to do it. Yeah, um, that's that's my pipe dream right now. Like I don't know, that's that's how uh, I want to retire
0: up there in Goonyland in Portlandia,
1: whatever you're, uh, whatever you're south fan. of Port, south of Portland, but okay. north of Sacramento,
0: somewhere okay, in that sure. area. Sure, that would be. Um, uh, I believe that would be Medford, Ashland. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. yeah maybe right.
1: somewhere around there. Um, okay. somewhere I could buy, you know, get a couple hundred acres and ride my dirt bike and tinker in the shop. You know, somewhere that's preferably within about a half an hour of a hospital. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I wonder why. Yeah, yeah. I get it. Is there, when, Frank? When you at this point too, and I have to ask you because the the projects and we we talked about this right? Jobs are jobs sure. in some ways, and some days they feel like work, and some days they don't feel like work. Yeah. What what's still for you? Um, and it we're talking about Moncala and then I'm I'm actually I'm booked for the second ever voyage of the galactic star cruiser at you know the disney experience which oh, is yeah. going to be a, a technological marvel at the whole oh, yeah. damn yeah. the whole damn thing is awesome yeah and and i'm you know we're spending ridiculous amounts of money to go do it but yeah. i feel like as a star wars fan i want to see uh i want i want i'm down for any new star wars experience but oh, yeah. when rise of resistance came out then you have this great you know you have Moncala and you have this whole thing i like how 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 connected is star wars in terms of uh of of character and you know did did they reference the work that you did? who did hondo Onaka did you guys do hondo onaka
1: Mm-mm.
0: okay, huh no. I'm interested in that. I'm interested in that, but no. what, you know, how, how much is, you know, what is Star Wars goes into a giant database? And if you get plucked to work on a Star Wars project, is there vast resources that you get to look through archives and see all that? Like, how does that work?
1: No, no. That's, nice. That's, that's, uh, all the fans putting shit up on a pedestal. It's everything is just <laughs> by the seat of our pants. That's refreshing. Left hand doesn't talk to the right hand and it's all by the seat of our pants. So my eyes
0: are as good as your eyes in some regard then.
1: Sometimes. Yeah. Okay. I, occasionally, like sometimes we'll get, um, reference sometimes it, and it depends, you know, uh, like I said, sometimes I'm getting an image the size of a postage stamp. I need to try and I need to make Canon out of, Yeah. Uh, and sometimes, you know, we, you know, we get a lot of conversations and a lot of feedback. Like it's always, it's, there's no rhyme or reason. There's no it's not like oh, you get Star Wars. Okay, well here is the archive. Welcome to it. Like, no.
0: yeah, you know. I was trying to have this conversation with someone. Um, Book of Boba Fett. Of course, uh, we had Drew Hart on. I don't know if you know Drew, um, mm-hmm. but Drew was the leather worker for Legacy that did all the uh, bandoliers and stuff for mm-hmm. uh, bo and and Cosca mm-hmm. Reeves, and he did a, a. From what he tells me, he did a lot of work on the new Boba Fett. The. the mm-hmm post but the new one right and so he he was doing so they he worked that was his last project he just recently left mm-hmm. and of course then we see the trailer and people are going look at how much it changed from when it was Cobb Vanth and blah 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 and and you you know this mm-hmm. it's at the end of the day you guys still have to feed your employees you have to keep the lights on it is competitive but that's that's not my
1: decision that like I haven't seen, I haven't, I honestly haven't watched the trailer. Um, and I haven't nitpicked the differences in that, but I'm going to bet dollars to donuts that that was the costume designer saying, I want to change this again. Yeah. I'm going to take something that's already established and I'm going to change it again. Or that's somebody even above her saying, Hey, could you change this? Right. It, It, um, that's, that's not, his decision on where that gets, that gets made. He's building what somebody else tells him to build. Right. You know, yeah. I mean, you get a little yeah. bit of freedom to like put your finesse into it, but you're, I mean, you're going to get a drawing and they're going to say, here, make this. Right. And,
0: and it's the, the big thing that was kind of stirring everything up was because, so if we go from the, the Cobb Vanth, which would have been legacy, I believe, uh, the, this post sarlac I, I believe. I so. Yeah. So, Timothy Oliphant wears it, then Tamura uh-huh. gets to wear it at the end, uh-huh. and we get this like great scene. And in Book of Boba Fett, if you haven't seen the trailer, that's fine. But they, they did re-sculpt the helmet. It's a new sculpt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what people were trying to be conf- – what and, and maybe you can provide some clarity for this. People are going, well, how come they didn't just use the same dance sculpt? And I'm like, well, it's a different studio. I don't believe that you would share these costumes the same – how does that work? I mean, if well, it's a new sculpt, they have we... to make –
1: a ton when of we them do, because Tamura's right. A new, a new. No, when we actor. when we do any build anything for them, at the end of the show, we have to turn in all the assets. Like we turn in the molds, and you know, at least you're supposed to. Um, oh, so we turn okay. it. Yeah, <laughs> sure. we turn we turn in all of that stuff. Um. So you know they'll they'll have that mold, but you know the way Legacy sets up a mold to make a part might not be the way that Ironhead makes their parts. Right. So they may have scanned it. Jose may have tweaked it. Yeah. They may, you know, and then, and then they reprint it, maybe change some proportions. Who knows? I don't know. The whole suit is different. The whole suit is different. Then that's, that's what it is. Then, you know, Ironhead had taken their, you know, when you, when you take a thing over to Ironhead, Ironhead is going to make what Ironhead wants to make.
0: Yeah. Right. That was, that um, was the understanding that, that I had. Um, and they want to put their mark on a character as that's, obviously that's kind
1: of what it is. Um, yeah. and so the fans are just going to have to live with it that that's the new canon. Like who cares? Yeah. You yeah. know? Um, and I get it. Like, you know, Boba Fett now has his armor. He's going to tweak it. He's going to put a, a paint job that somehow still has chips in it. I don't know. Okay, <laughs> sure.
0: Whatever. Um. <laughs> yeah. Finding it's finding a stingray, finding your dad's stingray at a garage sale, and going, I got to bring this thing back to life, right? I got to repaint this thing that
1: candy apple red, baby. Yeah. I don't know. But whatever. I, but, I mean, the fans. Yeah. What, what's the thing that nobody hates Star Wars as much as Star More Wars than the fans, fans like, themselves? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, everybody's <laughs> gonna argue and nitpick and whatever, and it's just like, so what? If you like it. Yeah. If you like Empire Strikes Back Boba Fett, then go make your Empire Empire. Strikes Back Boba Fett. Who gives a (laughs) shit? Right. If you like the Cobb Vanth one, build the Cobb Vanth one. Who who cares? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Are you having fun? Cool. That's literally all that matters. Yeah, exactly. Knee pads that, upside down? Who cares? <laughs> exactly. I might just, I might
0: start, well, I love that they added it into the CRL now. So if you're a remnant yeah. scout, you know, you have to, you have to have them upside down. I, I love it. it. It cracks me up because especially now that I've, I've gotten to know more people who have been involved in the shows and you, you hear like this story of saying, Hey, I did my job. I sent it off. Someone on set screwed that up that that all of that just makes me
1: but i don't even call this up like maybe like these are you know these are the characters were kind of goofballs to begin with so they obviously didn't care like yeah so maybe they're just like rebels within you know this this disbanded imperial blah blah blah. like they don't care sure They, they know that it's more comfortable turning it the other direction so they turned it upside down Yeah, costumes. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the uh, uniform
0: standards have dropped significantly since the Death Star blew up. Yeah, sure. I can. I I mean, they're leaving their
1: armor dirty now, so they don't have that same. Like, maybe that's just part of their character. Maybe that was a character decision. Like, turn it upside down. I love Um, that. That's
0: it's awesome.
1: And and yeah, if the uh, if the five hundred first wants to come over and do their CRL on my copy of the costume, I still have my copy, which has all the same trim lines, all the same. Detail. Share. Can you? Sh- I mean, seriously, share that. I I will get
0: it to the right. I will get it to uh, the right people. Sure. Take pictures of I, it.
1: I get literally. Yeah, you know, I'm a, Frank sent I'm, it to me. So I'm I'm racing. I, I race motocross, and I'm racing yeah. this Red Bull event at the end of the month called Day in the Dirt. Yeah, and it's a I race motocross, and sure. so it's a big motocross race. And I've worn my biker scout uh, uh, costume in the race, and I'm doing Love it again that. this year. So I'm gonna wear. I have a um, I have a Ghostbusters proton pack, a whole Ghostbusters costume. I'm gonna wear in amazing. one race, and then I'm gonna wear my biker scout in another race. So amazing! I, yeah, well, so that's please, gonna be my I, uh, Thanksgiving weekend.
0: I love that. I I I look forward to seeing that. I following your account is awesome. Oh, I'm so glad that we were able to connect and and you sure. were able to share some insight. Thank you again, Frank, for for sitting down with me and and having yeah, this conversation. No, this was
1: fun. Like you know, it's I'm always like just cooped up here. Like we yeah. all, I, we kind of exist in our little bubble here. So it's kind of nice to chit chat and share some, uh, they're not even see, like there's no secrets. It's just, it is yeah. what it is. Like,
0: Well, is there, yeah. And, and on, on that point, is there anything from the earlier seasons that, that you, you haven't seen anybody nail yet? You know, is there, is there something in Fennec oh, you know that what, you're what, like.
1: What people are doing wrong that I have seen. Ooh. So on Fennec's helmet, there's yeah. those little ear pucks. Uh-huh. Everybody's making them round and they're actually oval. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I'm gonna go ahead and
0: share that with a couple of people who I know make Fennec helmets. That's good. Yeah. I'm hearing it straight from the source.
1: Yeah. Who is no, Who we, is the original
0: Who is the original sculptor for that helmet?
1: <sighs> that would have been. I think I you can't quote me on this, but I'm pretty okay. sure it was Eddie Haleko. Okay. I'm. I'm. I'm like. 90% sure that's who did that helmet.
0: Okay. And then is that a, is that a Lucasfilm or is that who, who, where does Eddie fit in?
1: Um, well, we got, we got a, an illustration from Brian. Okay. From Brian Mateus, right? Okay. And, and then Joseph Poro had his notes. Sure. On, on that illustration. And then Eddie was one of my employees. Got it. Okay. Um, and he, he has since left and he works at a, another company Okay. Um, He he does digital stuff for some much larger big company. Like he went got, got he went corporate. Oh. Um, yeah. He went, he went to corporate, which is great. Cause he probably makes a shit ton more money than the movie industry. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, Eddie was working for me at the time and that probably would have been Eddie's, uh, sculpture. Okay, cool. So, it, and yeah. that
0: starts, I mean, and, and to just before we wrap up, is it, I mean, and, and I was kind of getting at this, and I'm glad that we talked about it. But I mean, what what are in terms of of thingergy? Yeah, Frank. If someone's listening to this, they feel super motivated. They're geek. They're like, man, this is awesome. Frank seems like a great, approachable guy. Hopefully, you know. I mean, do you do you like when people tag you in their work? Like, how, how do you, how do you want to interact with people? Like, a ton of people are in the five hundred first that listen to the podcast. Mm. Uh, how, how, what's, what's best practice for people to say, I want to get on someone like your, your radar.
1: Like, I love seeing everybody's stuff. Like people like Terry Chu and his calamari, like, I love that costume that he built. Yeah. That's awesome. That head that he built and the, the way it moves and everything. Like, it's great. Yeah. Um, and all the people that are making the Mon Calamari dock worker things, like I saw somebody just submitted their first one to the like rebel Legion or whatever yeah. recently. Yeah, It's great. I love it. And anybody that wants to nitpick those people and say that this is right or this is wrong, come. yeah. Those people sure. do whatever makes you happy. Yeah. And I love all like there's there's a couple people that have sent me like little action figure toys of my character. Like I love, it, I love it all. Like <laughs> yeah. If if I didn't love all this stuff, I'm in the wrong stupid business. But like, right. no, I think this is great. And when people like reach out and they'll like you know tag me in a comment or something like, I look at all that stuff and I love it. Like, yeah. Literally all of that stuff. It makes me like happy that anybody, I'm flattered beyond all hell that anybody gives a shit who I am. Like, it's amazing. So, yeah, please, if you think that there's something cool that you've done or a friend has done or something out that that you want me to see because you think it's rad, I don't care. Tag me. I love that. Um, I love that. I don't I'll always there's... get back to direct messages. A lot of times, like, I just miss them or... Sure. forget it. Or like, I think I respond. And then I, and then like months go by and I'm like, I never respond. If people message me, like I, sometimes I just space or I forget yeah. or sure, like, you know, so, like there'll be a, a message and I'm like, Oh, I got to respond to this. And then somebody walks in and it's like, Hey Frank, we need to, you know, look over something like, and then I walk away and then I forget. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really hard. <laughs> business. It's hard being <laughs> a human. Like it's no yeah. excuse, but agree. So yeah. So I might not always see and respond, but I try. Yeah. That's all I can do is try. (laughs) No,
0: that's awesome. Well, it's just, I, I love, I do love this, where Star Wars is at and Star Wars costuming, because we, we do, we have now people, almost everybody that's been working on this industry was originally influenced by the original trilogy films. Right. Yeah. And so we're all super geeks together. And I have a podcast, uh, a, a side podcast where we talk more kind of current news star Wars with a bunch mm-hmm. of guys who are in pretty famous bands. Sure. And I don't look at them like they're famous musicians of guys that I used to pay a lot of money to go see in concert. Now we're all yeah. just star Wars fans. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of just weird that, that as we break these things down and, and again, you said like the pedestaling in in Hollywood is out of control. But then I feel like when we have conversations like this and we, we as hobbyists try to emulate the respect of your shop and the work that you guys do. It, it makes things a lot more personal and I think it makes it more fun. I, I love where yeah. star Wars is at right now.
1: Yeah. I, you know, there's, there's some shows that I'm able to share a lot more of our process with. And I really sure. enjoy that. Um, you know, it's, I don't know. It's, it's great to like share and give this stuff out to people. Cause like, yeah, you know, there's there's a project that I'm working on now for a video game company that when okay. it's released, I'm going to release all the blueprints because oh, like, I know the people yes. are going to want to build what we're building right now. Yeah, um, and that's but that's like why why wouldn't I or why wouldn't if you have the wherewithal and the permission to do it, like why wouldn't you share all of the 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 cool things? Like right, it it all just gets down to to ego and gatekeeping, and I think that. Yeah. You know, and I I really wish that that the that the clubs would cut some pe- cut more people some slack that just want to do stuff for fun. You know, sure. Um, I because I hear that a a bunch. Okay, and it, that makes me sad that sure like people ever need to like, I don't know, that that bums me out. Yeah, because this and is all for fun.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and I think with any, you know, because the podcast itself is we highlight people who aren't in the clubs, we highlight people who are in the clubs, we highlight people like yourselves who are professional builders. And I think you do just see that, that the, at the end of the day, we, I, and I've said this to many people, we want to be stewards for creativity, we want to be stewards for encouraging people to go and create and make and get inspired yeah. because like it's sometimes it's hard. And of course, when you get into star Wars costuming, it's not like this is a cheap hobby by any means. Um, right. But, but the process I think for people is like, and I've joked about it. It's like hard being an adult at times. If you don't yeah. have outlets that make you feel creative because like going to a nine to five, mm-hmm. I work as a creative professional. It's hard going in every day and being like, "Okay, what do I got to do?" Okay, okay, okay. And like Star Wars costuming has built a second community for me. Uh, mm-hmm. It's been it's been really entertaining bringing these things to life in our small little town in northern Michigan. People think it's the coolest thing, yeah. and so we all kind of play a role. I feel like in in spreading positivity through something clearly we all love. Right? This yeah, yeah. this. Weird fear, film series in 1977 that maybe ripped off Dune, but then made it a children's story. Uh, all of these things, <laughs> of course, make Star Wars what what is the awesome, even bigger than the films, even bigger than the company uh, to yeah. this day. So I, I just, I Frank, thank you again for sitting for sitting down with me and and talking sure. about this. I've got the one last thing I do with all my guests is I do a lightning round. I try to get answers out of you as quick as I can. I ask you all a couple right. questions. Maybe that'll stomp you. But, yeah, I figured I tailor the questions to my guests, so I figure you'll have a little bit of entertainment out of it. Does that sound good? All right. I'll, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> all right, Frank. Who has the cooler costumes in Star Wars? The good guys or the bad guys? Ooh. Uh, Bad guys. I like that answer. Which film in
1: all of the Star Wars saga has the
0: most memorable costumes, in your opinion?
1: Memorable costumes? Yeah. Jedi.
0: Which one? Which, like, is it... What costumes? Oh, of course. I feel like I know it.
1: Like... Think Is about fi- all of the stuff. Think <laughs> about all the, the things that were going on in the background of Jabba's Palace. Think about yep. all of... I mean, all of the different... Like, just bringing all the calamari. I mean, obviously, I'm biased that way. But, you know, <laughs> when everybody was getting together for that final battle... Um, like... Yeah, yeah. Scout troopers. Everyone on on the sail barge. <laughs> I mean, yeah, everybody. Yeah, every, like, all of that stuff. That's where we got... The, uh, the Imperial Guard, um, you know, the red yeah, dudes. Yeah. Yep. yep. Um, Gamorians? you know, like the, yeah, there's so much good stuff in Jedi. Yeah. I, um, that's a great answer. I like it. I like it. I mean, it. you and know, I'm, everybody's uh, like, literally everybody's going to have their own opinion on sure. what that is. So there is yeah. no, you know, there's probably plenty of people there telling me, probably screaming at the, at the, the speaker saying that it's something <laughs> else, but that's just yeah. my personal yeah.
0: No, that's great. And and the fact that Book of Boba Fett is leaning in so hard to Return of the Jedi is just, it is a chef's kiss. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we've seen a lot of that stuff in
1: the trailer. Again, if you see it, if you watch it, cool. If not, I think you're going to yeah, be entertained. You know, and the only reason that I haven't watched it yet, and this is going to also sound kind of ridiculous, but I feel that I've been drinking from a fire hose of Star Wars <laughs> lately, and <laughs> I just don't have any skin left on my face. Sure. So I'm just like, I don't need to, I don't. Like, you know what I, Does that make any sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. It does. It's I mean, like, I feel like, I feel like for I people, a, I kind of need a star Wars break and, and then maybe I'll come back to it at some point and be jazz again, but it's just like, I'm just a little, I'm not thirsty right now. That's fine. <laughs> that that's fine. Sense.
0: Cause you, did you get to work with Glenn Dillon and, uh, those, uh, those guys for the sequel trilogy? Uh, what was the studio that was doing most of the armor for the sequel trilogy?
1: Mm-mm. No, I didn't. Uh, we didn't do any of that. We, okay. we, we were just in this little tiny bubble at Tippett studio. Okay. Got it. Okay.
0: Yeah. Cause I, that, and it's funny cause you said earlier about having that conversation with Joseph, like we don't need to redo it. Well, and the se- you know, for the sequel trilogy, which made sense, but then you had solo and you had rogue one that fit in there. And there were mm. a bunch of people, of course, the, the snow troopers, which I also am. Right? I live in Michigan. That's pretty sure. fitting. Um, but when the range troopers, the guys with the, you know, they called them the pimp troopers with the big white coats and the magnetic mm. boots, right? Yeah. They were all mad. They're like, why didn't they just use a snow trooper? Like, why do they have to make a <laughs> new one? You know? And it was like, oh boy, here we go. But, you know, and then you had beautiful, um, the shore trooper. Oh my gosh. Yeah. like b- Just gorgeous. And I'm glad to see them that they were in
1: Mando season two. Yeah, we um, we painted those those helmets for for them. Oh, you did? Yep, we did those. We did all those helmets. helmets because they couldn't get enough of them from production on time, and so we we built a bunch of those helmets and we like the ones that they could get. We repainted yeah. them. So yeah, we we did those helmets.
0: Were those were those were those fan sculpts or were those from Anovos?
1: Mm-mm. No, those were from production.
0: Oh wow. Okay, so original original. The ones that uh, the, we uh,
1: built, we had we had a production helmet from the UK that we okay. molded and recast, and we we rotocast them in one piece because the production helmets were prints that were finished. Yes, yes, and ours were was was a one piece mold that we rotocast. Um, okay, which makes sense because the blast
0: shield, like Sam, Sam, I think Sam had shared. This is Sam Williams, the original modeler for it. Oh, okay. Um the the the. Blast Shield was like you could place it in. Uh-huh. They had all these different parts that were, you know, because there's like a there's a little lip underneath it yep. that has like you know the the visor line and all that and yep. then the eyebands of, of course. Yeah, yeah, and so so you guys molded it for Mando, molded it as just one piece rather than having it be all these different parts. Well, the
1: the visor were were separate pieces because there's not really an easy way to do that. Cast that. Yeah, those sure. were those were two separate pieces. Got it. Um, and there was a couple of pieces that were separate, but. Yeah, those, they got some from, I don't remember where they got them from. Okay. But they, it's one of those things where they're just like, we need helmets. Yeah. And, you know, I'll put in an estimate to make 30 helmets and they'll yeah. be like, okay, well we found like 10. So you repaint these 10 and then you only make us three. No, no, no. We need five. And then you repaint 20. It's it just, you know, it changes every five seconds. And did but you, did you paint them with the, with the Montana gold Sahara beige? No, they they were the green ones. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, we got confused. Yeah, they were painted like the mud troopers. So we they had given us a set of mud trooper armor, and they said paint it like this. Really? So, so well, the the shore troopers. Wow,
0: wait, I'm confused now. The mm-hmm. shore troopers in the episode with the juggernaut, and Correct. and then the shore troopers mud standing trooper
1: there. armor. Yes, but you're a talking shore about trooper the trooper helmet.
0: The yes, yes, um, it was no. Wait, hang on, or whatever.
1: I, you know, you know your right, armor was, they handed us that was green, that had mud that on helmet, it.
0: Helmet. Hang on. Here we go. I I'm so proud that I get to be able to say this. The tank trooper from Rogue One. That's uh-huh. what helmet that is. That's not okay, the short yeah, troop. Yep, yes. Yep. Yep. you <laughs> This is. I'm. I'm just going to let people know I am a Star Wars fan. No, I you're correct. This. Yes. The, so you guys painted them. Yeah, you painted them the green with the mud trooper mm-hmm. bodies, and mm-hmm. then the short. So, so you guys did the 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 tank trooper. Did you do the short troopers, the tan
1: ones? No. Okay. But the tank trooper helmet is super similar to the short trooper. Very similar. Yeah. Yeah. They they just a it's a little bit like sharper,
0: and the the shore trooper is is to
1: like. Tell you a, just the truth, a, I don't know which one they gave us. Okay. To, so. Uh, the one that the, we molded was tan, okay, yeah, yeah, so that would have so the one that we yeah, yeah, the one that we molded was tan, and then we painted it green, interesting, okay, cause the tank trooper in Rogue one
0: he points up right before they get sabotaged, and he has white, he has a white armor, and uh-huh. that body is the same as the shore troopers, he's just white, and he was on Jeddah mm-hmm. in Rogue one. And then mm-hmm. we saw the tan troopers at Scarif in Rogue One at the end. Yeah. And their helmet is just, their, helmet, their helmet's a little stockier. Mm. Do you know what I'm talking
1: about? You know, when, are you coming out here for a uh, celebration? Yeah. Okay, when you come out here for celebration, okay. carve off a couple of hours, okay. come up here to Burbank, All right. and you can look at the helmet that we have, and then you can tell me which one it is. I have a Shore Trooper helmet up in my garage No, but you got to look at the one right that, right that I have, because that's <laughs> yeah, the one that we yeah. use on the show. <laughs> well,
0: I'm, what I'm going to say is I was going to show you the Shore Trooper helmet, and you let me know how similar it is.
1: I'd have to go downstairs and look.
0: That's fine, because I've got, yeah, I've it's got in, it up. It's in, and, it's,
1: in the, it's in the other building. <laughs> I don't know. That's a,
0: no, that's fine. That's fine, because I've got mine up in my garage, and I'm like, oh, should I show Frank? I, you know, I've
1: got this. Um, yeah, they're, they're, and of course, I'm, I'm going to put this when in When you come the out show. for celebration, carve out time, come up and visit the shop. I'll show you all the cool stuff. All right. I'd love to, I've got, I've got a
0: friend that I know would geek out. We're going to come yeah, up together. Bring whoever I don't care. That sounds great. Let me know what to bring. I'm, I'm a, Nothing. I'm a heart. I'm a hearty no, you... westerner, Frank. I like to show up. No, I never show up to a party without something, right? Mm. I can bring right. whatever Michigan beer I need to bring. You just let me know. <laughs> well, uh, we'll have to start a, a,
1: an email chain for the, the thinger G side party.
0: Yeah. I love that. I think that's great. Well, let's finish up here with this lightning round because no, certainly it's not a lightning round
1: anymore. No, Uh, but I'm I'm putting all that in. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. Keep it all in. Okay. Yeah. I love it. it. I love it. Keep all my mistakes in this podcast. It doesn't matter to me. I'm not embarrassed. (laughs) This is, this is that fancy. (laughs) No, that's, that's
0: awesome. Cause I I know that, that, uh, Terry Chu. So Terry, Terry reached out to me. He's also obviously in, in Pacific time and he goes, Hey man, you know, I'm working really late and I got to he goes, I got kids and I'm to put them to bed. And I was like, okay, that's fine. That's fine. He goes, do, do you mind if we start at, you know, like nine o'clock my time? And I'm like, start, start talking at midnight. <laughs> I was like, you know, I was like, you know what, Terry, I've wanted to get you on the show. I'm like, let's go Panda props. Let's do it. Terry and I talked. He's like, I want to be the longest episode of armor party you've ever done. I'm like, okay, how long are we going to talk? Him and I talked for almost three hours. Wow. So I finished at about 3 in the morning with him, and he was like, well, this was really great. You want to keep going? I was like, Terry, to be honest, I have to go to bed, um, but but we can certainly pick this up. But, but I'm looking at it, I'm going, there, we have good timing right here, Frank. I mean, this is going to be a you, good episode for sure. You got
1: uh, to make sure that Terry knows that if he's coming to Celebration, he's got to come by too.
0: Yeah, I definitely will let him know because I know that he was like, I'm on the fence, but I feel like after – and all this stuff, I feel like people are going to be like, I'm geeking out. Let's, they're going to figure out how to get to Celebration. I know it. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. So I'm, I'll definitely take you up on that. We'll stay in touch for sure. Sure, um, sure.
1: So, Frank, let me ask you this. Are you a lightsaber
0: yes. guy or a, or a blaster guy?
1: Oh, I can't answer that until another show comes out. Okay. We're going to leave it at that because
0: I'd ask too many questions. I'm going to res- I always I tell everyone who's listening, I respect NDAs and I would mm-hmm. pry, but I'm not going to. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Frank yep. is indecisive
1: if he wants a lightsaber or a blaster. I, that's fine. I it's oh. <laughs> I, ask I'll let you know when you when you can ask me that again.
0: <laughs> Sounds good. I'll do that. We'll do a we'll do a follow-up. Uh Instagram yeah. live 5 minute follow-up. We'll we'll make sure that we've got it. Uh, So Boba Fett was recently revived and redesigned. Which Mm -hmm. character from the Star Wars saga, Frank, would you resurrect and re-outfit?
1: Ooh. That's a good one. Do I have to redesign it? No,
0: but just bring... I mean, I'm sure at some point, something's going to... If they died (laughs) in Star Wars, something's got to happen when they get brought back.
1: I would love to see a finessed version of Dengar. Yeah. Cause I think that like, I remember what was the book that had all the bounty hunter backstories in it. And they had, you know it was like the, you know, there was an IG backstory and Dengar and yeah. boss and all like, I don't remember what that book was, but I just remember like, it was cool. Um, I'm looking to see if I have it. Um, I haven't read it since like probably high school, but yeah, I Dan, think he, he's got like such a cool, like kind of mashed together. Look. Yeah. It would be fun to kind of, kind of update him a little bit. Like that would sure. be
0: neat. Sure. And um, then, te- and then technically they brought technically in Canon, he was back for rise of Skywalker. he? Really? Yeah. I'll send you the link. It's a very, it was a very weird design decision because they made it huh. seem like something had happened to him and his face is unrecognizable. It was really weird, but I remember people were like, well, that's supposed to be Dengar, but I'm with you. Original yeah. Dengar, Empire Strikes Back with the, with the snow trooper Brown, yeah. you know, and yeah. then the TK legs. And there was just yeah. so many like, like just
1: that, there's just that like whole rogues gallery of, of bounty hunters. Like, I just think it would be fun. I mean, even, you know, even the, the stuff from, from Clone Wars, like, um, oh, what's his name? What's the what's the dude with the hat? I'm brain farting on his name. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I know exactly. Uh, Embo. Uh, no, 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 not the dude with the giant hat. The other guy, the one that's the Duros. Um, oh Cad Bane. Yeah, Cad Bane. Oh yeah. my god, he yeah. would be so good to pull out. Yeah, I agree. I like agree. He, like to to make him in real life, like that would be so much fun. Yeah.
0: Especially as um, another gunslinger, the way that they've yeah. like come kind of set up a lot of yeah. Mando,
1: you know, with the two. Yeah, <laughs> I would. I would like to see Cad Bane. I think that would be fun. That's a great answer. I love Cad Bane. Yeah, no, he had su- he had such a good arc. Like between him, him and Hondo, I think were like re- just really fun, like supporting characters that just did so much to move that that story forward. Yeah.
0: Well, I have They're my, trou- my side.
1: They were just troublemakers, you know, like, yeah, they were just like a little bit of chaos in the universe and it was great. Right.
0: And, and especially Hondo as being your, like your, he was like the, the Jack Sparrow of the whole thing. Yeah. He's like such you an know? antihero. Like it's <laughs> right, great. Right. Right. A yeah. guy who you could trust to do the job that you're assigned to do together and then know right at the end,
1: he'd double cross you and he'd be
0: like, yeah. oh, my friend, I'm a pirate. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, Exactly.
1: No, I, I think, I think that Cad Bane and Hondo would probably be like really great to bring into the, into the real world. Yeah. Yeah. And they, and they're close. I feel like that galaxy's
0: edge suit is pretty cool. You know, when they, when they brought him out to do to the, you know, and I, and I hope, I hope I'm on the second voyage ever. I'm not on the first voyage. I'm on the Uh second voyage and I'm hoping that we get. Like I would love to see that costume up close. And I know mm. that we've got lots of pictures of the animatronic of him when he welcomes mm. you to the, you know, to the yeah. smugglers Run. But like, I would love to see the wearable costume up close. I think that'd be awesome.
1: Yeah, that's interesting.
0: Um, so I'm, I'm with you. Cad Bane would be a huge welcome. I would love to see two gunslingers go at it and satisfy oh, yeah. that, that Deadwood part of what Star Wars mm-hmm. has, yeah. has perks of. But Dengar is another great answer. Let me yeah. ask you this, Frank. You're a man who loves to ride bikes and boards. What planet of Star Wars would you most like to explore?
1: Um, I might be a little bit biased, but like I love Endor. Um, Like one of my favorite camping spots that I've ever been to has been up in the redwoods, up at Avenue of the Giants, where they filmed Endor. Sure, it's just gorgeous up there, and I I love those giant trees. I love the weather. I love the way that the outdoors smell like that. Like it would have to be Endor. Yeah. Yeah, and that's yeah. fine. I'm. I'm
0: the reason. Growing up in Michigan, I had two seasons, Endor yeah. and Hoth. Yeah. So the first costume I ever built was a biker scout. The second one yeah. I built was a snowtrooper. So I'm like, I'm with you on that. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, Frank, you're you're obviously well versed among the Star Wars saga. Which film of the past would you most liked to work on? like which of the past movies would you've been like I would have loved to transport myself in time and be able to
1: work on one of those films It's probably going to go back to Jedi as much as I think sure. Empire is my favorite film of all of them Yeah um I think there was just so much going on in Jedi and I think that th- th- just the the all the creatures and all the things that they built and all like all the stuff that was done back on Jedi was just that was just the pinnacle, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, it probably would
0: have been Jedi. That's, that's a great answer. And I've heard from so many people, myself included, that there are so many other parts of star Wars that I love, but empire is always my favorite film. Um, and, and, and I think, and in many ways, you know, it's like, of course there are memorable things of in, in empire, but yeah, there are so many other things across the saga that I'm like, oh, that was my favorite of this for whatever reason. I'm like, "I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, Frank, last question. Which character from Star Wars would you like to pick as a motorcycle riding partner to go up the coast?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who I'd want to go riding with. Maybe, (laughs) I don't know. I don't have a good answer for that one. I can't think of anything. That's all right. You can think of
0: whoever you want your Peter Fonda to be. If it's, if those glorious locks need to be Wookiee, that could be, that could work. I feel like the obvious answer would be Han Solo's already got the riding boots, but you know, it's, it's, it's hard to say. Right. I almost kind of feel like if I'm going to, if I'm going to go and someone's like, Hey, let's go get lost somewhere. I'd be like, you know, I would trust Obi-Wan maybe like, let's go ride. Let's go snowboard. Like I bet you, he yeah, you have, have
1: to pick which, which era we're talking about. Cause like, you know, like, um, early clone wars, Obi-Wan was pretty rad, yeah. um, yeah. <laughs> Like I think he was a little bit, little bit more uh, fun in the earlier sure. seasons. Sure. Um,
0: you know I
1: think once once that whole storyline with Satine came through, like he became a little bit more serious because uh, yeah. you know his heart got broken. Right. You know when she, when she got killed. I'm getting too old for this, guys. I can't. Do- and Anakin would have yeah. like wrecked
0: your motorcycle like in the first hour, right? Yeah. Let's he wouldn't jump have been fun. It. No, he wouldn't have been
1: <laughs> fun. Um, maybe. Plo Koon, deep cut man. Yeah, I like that because right, he's because he's really kind of badass. He's yeah. a really good pilot. Yep. Um, I feel like he would probably have some really good stories. That's a great answer. It was not the one I was
0: expecting, but I'm like, that's a great answer.
1: Yeah, because I mean, think about like in the in the later seasons when you know, like when he was kind of like shepherding Ahsoka around a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Like he, he was imparting some knowledge. Like I'd yeah. like to listen to that guy talk some more. Right. And letting her
0: get in trouble as the trials yeah. of a Jedi are important. Yep. Right. And then, yeah. uh, and, you know, I mean, another great option maybe would have been Quinlan Voss. Right. Like, he, I mean, he's kind of like, you're like sleeveless do like, yeah, <laughs> right. He has a, yeah, for yeah, sure.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Maybe. Um, I don't know. Yeah. No, those are, those are all good answers. Let's leave with that. Let's go with Plocoon. I, yeah. like yeah, Plo I like that. Yeah, Plocoon. I like that. That's. A, I'm gonna stay right there.
0: I love that. Well, Frank. Again, this has been a fantastic conversation. I'm so glad that we were able to sit down, and I was able to pick your brain. And sure, I'm, I'm so excited for the future of of this community. And I hope that some people you're able to pluck out of our our Star Wars customers. I know a lot of people follow the page, and I I try my best to to share their work too. And, and I want to stay involved with what you guys are working on.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: where, where can people follow along with, with you and, and thingergy, and, and what can we look forward to? I know there's certain stuff you can't talk about, which is fine, but yeah. you know what, where can people um, follow along and, and, and just hear more about what you guys are, are working on, or if you need new, and if you need new
1: employees, where can people find yeah, you? Whenever we, whenever we're hiring, I'll pretty much always post that, um, on On our social media, so people that hit me up randomly asking for a job, if I'm not posting that I am hiring, it probably not going to get. I don't a job. need it. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, you know, we're pretty easy to find. All the the thingergy social media and my personal social media, it's it's all at Frank Ippolito. Like it's pretty sure. easy to find. Um. Except for my my Facebook is at Ippolito dot Frank. Okay. Because. Whatever. Some buddy that plays guitar got Frank Ippolito. Um,
0: but if, if they send you a message on Facebook, you're going to answer it in seven years, right? So yeah, yeah, that's no, good.
1: With Within about seven years. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Okay. No, it yeah. depends. I mean, sometimes I see stuff and sometimes I don't. Sure. Um, It just depends. It depends on how much I'm like on my phone. Like sometimes I'm not, I'm just so busy that I don't get around to checking it. I don't know Yeah, what happens. Yeah. It happens. It happens. Well, I I'll, I'll I try a lot be- these days not to be plugged in, you know, like I try to really, really, really get, get off of my phone and get off of the internet. And it's good for you. Um, Oh, I think so. I think everybody needs to get the internet. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> People spend way too much time arguing with nobody on the internet yeah. and it does nobody any good. Agreed. Um, Agreed. Yeah. Everybody needs to just go live a little. Yeah, I
0: agree. Well, hey, I'm I'm like I said, I, I think we can I think we can empathize with each other that getting outdoors, feeling the wind in your face is an yep. important part of being a human. So go out, go fast, full send, yep, stay nerdy, yep. none of that will change. Frank, it's been an honor being able to sit down with you. Thank you again. Oh, thanks so much and, for having me. Yeah, this was a great show. So I look forward to seeing what you guys are working on and of course may the force be with you, my friend. Thanks, buddy. Yes. Look for Frank and Thingergy's work on the upcoming Umbrella Academy on Netflix, Ghostbusters Afterlife, which I'm sure many of you have seen, and the upcoming Obi-Wan Kenobi series on Disney+. Plus. Our scissor podcast, think the Maker, is about to switch over to a new schedule with Disney shows dropping on Wednesdays. So stay tuned from a couple announcements from them. They've been having a ton of fun talking Galactic Star Cruiser with a little-known voice actor named Ashley Eckstein, voice of Ahsoka Tano. Make sure you check out that episode. There's so much to look forward to in 2022. Our production work and our themes were done by Alton James. He's one of my most talented friends who is an incredible composer. You have to hit him up for your fan films. Not many people understand scores the way that he does, especially when it comes to Star Wars. Find him at Alton underscore James on Instagram. Once again, I am your host, Mike Forrester, wishing you a safe and happy holiday. I hope you get a big brown box under your tree. And if you're like me, you've relocated that other brown box that says... Miscellaneous Christmas, because it never had anything in it Christmassy at all, but it might have had a spare armor set or two. So use this as your reminder. Find us on Instagram at Armor Party Show and always remember that being an adult is boring, but building armor is anything but